This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Cheaters and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Premier League podcast. My name is Josh. I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? Ooh, Josh, winners we are of that coveted Football Content Awards Judges Choice for Fantasy Football Creator. Always cheating. Last time we spoke to you out there in Fantasyland, we had no fixtures. We were just talking theoretically about the game, about pricing. Yep. But now we have fixtures. Now we have all this information. And this is really the heart of the work of Always Cheating. It's researching our team-by-team previews that we do at the start of each season. Today, it's part one where we're doing, what is it, Josh? Arsenal to Leicester City? Arsenal to Leicester City. Yep, we are, we're doing the work today, Brandon. You'll love to see it. You know, just we're just mowing through teams. The first 10, uh, got some promoted teams in here. We got some, some new teams, some old teams, some Everton. The whole mix. I don't know. I don't know what category they fit into. <laughs> Just Everton. It's hard. It's hard to tell these. <laughs> Everton really is. I can't wait to talk about them because mm-hmm. they are perhaps the most mysterious team heading into the 2020-21 season for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did a screenshot when it at Everton where I was like, "Is this really their midfield?" Like I couldn't quite believe what I was seeing. So let's 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 you know everyone's here for the Everton content. We understand that, but we're gonna wait until we get there. <laughs> In the uh, the team preview section. Patience, my friends. So fixtures were announced yesterday. We're recording this on Friday. Uh, so this is a two-parter. We're going to do, as you just said, we're going to do part one today and then part two in a couple of days. Uh, but fixtures are now out. And I, I guess the big news uh, is that Man City and Man United do not play in game week one, uh, which was a little bit of a surprise considering what we were what we were led to believe would happen. I love how this is also throwing shade at Aston Villa and Burnley. The more and more we talk about City and United <laughs> yeah. blanking right. in game week one, there are yeah. they do. It takes two to tango, Josh. It <laughs> does true. take two, um, but it is a, it is a blow to Nick Pope's stock for yep. sure. All you McNeil heads, <laughs> I do fear that this is what is going to suck up most of the FPL conversation between now and the September twelfth deadline. 
these these big blanks going into game week one. So, I mean, just just my early thoughts, initial thoughts, which usually change for most FPL managers over time. Yeah. What is it? What is it that Andy Dufresne says, or or Morgan Freeman says in Shawshank Redemption? Pressure and time. Uh, that's kind of how I feel about uh, game week one planning right now. But I'm feeling like. I am not on board with the strategy of an early wild card or like a game week two wild card to immediately get city and United uh, assets in. Right. I'm feeling like I want to be a little more patient and slowly bring them in because there are plenty of big budget options that can be, uh, you know, our, our conversation with Joe at the fantasy football scout talking about price points. There are enough, midfielders and strikers in these price points that um, we can bring in for game week one that do play. And then we can sort of shift them out and bring in city and United players at our leisure going into game weeks two, three, four, and so on. Yeah. I mean, my initial thought was actually um, that I was going to treat game week one, like a free hit basically. And then immediately wildcard in game week two. I am now leaning a little bit away from that. I, I am not one of these people that, necessarily believes in waiting as long as possible to play that first half wild card. I think that um, playing it early on can, can bear a lot of fruit. Um, it, it, you know, it's a real chance to jump on, especially promoted teams. Um, you know, just a couple of seasons ago, wolves were like this where it was just, you, you could very quickly bring in three wolves players and it became very clear that they were going to be, you know, a great team for fantasy. Um, and you know, you can, you can really like jump on you know, price rises early and build team value that can be really helpful later on, uh, when you're trying to make transfers, um, you know, just having so much more money than everybody else, you know, can be really valuable. But with that said, um, how many times, you know, have you wildcarded in game week three? And I mean, I did this exact, I, I did this exact <laughs> thing last season, which was, yeah. I had a great first two weeks. I decided a wild card from a position of strength. It was like. I decided to up my degree of difficulty to a level that like no one has ever seen before. I don't know what I was thinking. It was insane. And of course it blew up. I like, I, I quintupled my rank in one game week. Yeah. And, um, you know, and so had I just been sensible early on and then of course, you know, five or six weeks later, I would have desperately used a wild card to, to shore up some problems in my team as I was hovering around, you know, a million or whatever it was, you know, game six, or seven game weeks in. So you know, I, I the thing I'm I'm cautious of is I I sometimes think that some people wait to wild card almost as like a matter of principle. You know, like um like there's a lot of this in fantasy where like people in general I think are I think of people branded not to be uh, on the psychologist couch. I here. love this people based FPL. This is good. <laughs> I think most I think people in general are fairly impulsive uh, and and don't have a tremendous ability to think long term but for whatever reason the are you fanat- are you familiar with the marshmallow test experiment josh yes. where they put little kids yes. uh, at a table and they give them two marshmallows and i am or the one yes. marshmallow i can't remember how it is and they have to wait and then they could get another marshmallow if they're patient exactly so it's, it's the marshmallow test uh in fantasy but for whatever reason the fantasy manager always wants the um the two in the bush versus the bird in the hand you know, mm-hmm. just to keep, keep just throwing metaphors out, Brandon. So it, it, it's interesting, but you know, so I think that there, there is a, there's a logic, I think, to just going all in a game week one and then loading up, bringing in, you know, three, four, five players from Man United and Man City in game week two. Um, but I also think that, um, I think what really helps for me is that 
Um, if you were to load up on some play, because no one wants to start game week one with all your best players in the bench. That's just, it's not fun. It doesn't feel like a great strategy. Um, but because players like Aubameyang have good fixtures of game week two, I don't think there's this need, especially with Man City playing away to Wolves in game week two. It's, it's not a great fixture, you know? So do you really need to, to immediately bring in, you know, a Sterling or De Bruyne for that first yeah. fixture? I think you yeah. could probably wait a week. Well, and yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. And it's, it's less a matter the way where I'm coming from and saying, oh, I want to save my wild card. It's not because I want to be prudent or that's sensible and I could really use it later on. Maybe you could really use it in game week two. But I think at this point, we're recording this on August 21st, Josh, September 12th, eons away. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact is you can't predict what kind of form the game week one players you bring in will have. So you bring in two Liverpool midfielders, Mane and Salah. You bring in Aubameyang. You've got Ziyech and the whole new gang from Chelsea. These, All these players could be fantastic in game week one and carry that on. And I'm not sure you're going to find yourself in a position in game week two where you're just like, I've got to unload all of this trash right. to get in De Bruyne and Bruno good as they are and season keepers as they'll likely be eventually uh i just don't i don't know if it's that systematic and and yeah, another I, I, argu- yeah. another argument just real quick that i that i heard was well if you really attack game week 1 like it is a free hit right josh is you could jump out to this early 30 50 point lead and i was talking to one of our supporters about this and i was like you know what game week 1 of last season was actually my highest rank of the entire season. So you can say you're going to jump out to a great start in game week one, but that that doesn't necessarily mean anything. This is a long season. That's true. Um, I, yeah. I also think that like, it, it might be hard to commit to that strategy. Like if you go all in and game week one with the idea of wild card in game week two, what happens if you if you if your rank is twenty five thousand two hundred and forty two? You know, let's you know, out of six million managers, like, are you really going to just blow it all up and wildcard? You know, and then suddenly, like, you're in this position where you don't know what to do. You know, like, it seems it's, it's almost better just to just to go into the start of the season, you know, with maybe one, possibly two, Man United and Man City players on the bench. I guess Aston Villa and Burnley, as you said, possibly, um, and. Them respect them and uh and then just have a plan for that because otherwise you might be sort of caught between two worlds so like sort of you know you're half committed you know you were committed to this wild card approach but now you don't want to do it any longer because you like the way your team looks and then you sort of like you're, you you don't really have a philosophy or like a strategy any longer you're just kind of you know you're like you're sort of like already like a half step behind because you don't know what to do you know and so i just think from like a like a um strategic standpoint it makes more sense to not plan to play that early wild card and to sort of have a few moves in mind early on. And um, yeah, so I, I think we're, I think we're both coming from on the same page. I think we also have a couple of weeks to think about it. As you said, um, you know, I think that um, we'll know a lot more over the next couple of weeks. I mean, you know, players come back to training, players are going to get injured um, as we're going to talk about in these team previews in a second. There are a lot of rumored transfers for, I mean, there's like basically not a defender in the Premier League that Chelsea isn't rumored to be bringing in this summer, you know, and gun goalkeepers too. It's like if if you are a goalkeeper in the world right now, you have been rumored to join Chelsea this summer. So <laughs> sure. there's so a lot is going to change over the next couple of weeks. So um, I think we should just get right into the team previous, Brandon. First, let's thank our new Patreon supporters. 
Yeah, a big thanks to all of the new members of our Patreon family at the producer level. Thanks to Blue Nose Stew, Matt Marks, and Michael Uong. Also at the Volkswagen level, Sam Danby Bailey. Lord Sorloth patrons, we see you. We love you. Per Reader Bowler, Mark Ryder, Paul Hetherington, Gavin O'Donnell, Andreas Yayana Reedes. Andrea, we'll just go with Andreas. You're the man. Rod Goodyear, Zachary Hughes, Andy Nash, Connor O'Shaughnessy, Graham DeBorn, Andy Lum, Amna Albaker, Albacar, I'll get it right one of these days, Maverick FPL, Morton Lund Anderson, Stuart Pinnell, Nigel Henze, and Jules Singh, and at the Pookie patron level, the cutest patreon supporter tier josh <laughs> chris hodson dean unsworth harley southwell and shaman smith and uh, josh just quickly tell everyone out there what patreon supporters have in store this season with always cheating yeah and uh, yeah we have to decide if we're gonna if we're gonna get rid of pookie as the uh, patron saint of the uh, of our entry level tier brandon do we keep pookie or do we do we go somewhere well else? if i look at all of our tiers uh sam vokes he's no longer in the league uh, sorloff he's <laughs> apparently never coming back he's leverkusen yeah. bound now yeah and yeah. uh is it leverkusen no it's um or is it uh leipzig Anyway. It's Leipzig, I think. Yeah, yeah Leipzig. Yeah. And uh, and Pookie's not in the league anymore. So I feel like Pookie is now among friends. He's where he ought to be. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. God. Yeah, and I, we should just add Ambikani back in somewhere too, shouldn't we? <laughs> where <laughs> special, are you? Special level. All right, so yeah, uh, this year, uh, Patreon supporters get access to, uh, you know, obviously depends on what tier you go with, but uh, we have a bonus podcast that we're doing each week. We released a podcast this week. I think it was a great get for us, Brandon. Um, we, uh, you know, I, I haven't heard him go on a lot of other people's podcasts. Maybe his first time ever. Uh, we had uh, Joe Lepper from Fantasy Football Scout, uh, FF Scout Joe join us uh to talk about uh his you know his personal uh success in fantasy and uh becoming a fantasy football content creator and uh, it was a very interesting discussion the feedback on that on that podcast was was fantastic and i think people are really excited about it so we're going to try to work some more interviews in especially uh at least one more hopefully before the the season starts um we have a cup competition that's starting at game week one Uh, we're going to talk about more we'll talk about that more in uh, part two of our game week preview because um i want to get that all uh sort of worked out and uh lots of ins and lots of outs with this cup (laughs) competition it's more complicated than the carabao cup at this point We've got our new Make Fantasy Fun Again t-shirt that's coming very soon. Um, and uh, yeah, and then you obviously get access to the Slack. And I, I think the Slack is the greatest collection of fantasy nerds that anyone will find anywhere. I, I really am uh, strangely proud of how awesome yeah, our Slack channel yeah, is. So yeah. So patreon.com slash always cheating is where you can go. And uh, if you want to support the podcast and uh, get better at fantasy, that's that's where you want to go. All right, Josh, and just a quick word about our good friends at Fantasy Football Hub, a great place for all of your FPL needs from data to strategy to all of that content. And now an app, the Fantasy Football Hub has launched a new app that contains all of their stuff right on your mobile phone. Go to fantasyfootballhub.co.uk slash always where you can get 20% off a membership at whichever hub tier you choose. What is the Fantasy Football Hub? Well, there you get access to the greatest fantasy minds managing today. They're sharing their teams and strategies through thoughtful articles and videos. Josh, I know you're a very visual person, so you'll be stimulated. <laughs> I think you're hub. more visual than I am. I, I, I'm in for the articles most of the time. <laughs> okay, right. you, you, you're, you're a video watcher much more than I am. 
Oh, I love my YouTube. Um, but I mentioned the data at the hub. You get access to all the data that includes real Optistats and easy to use player comparison tools and uh, game week planning tools. There is an advanced fixture ticker in this beautiful baby blue color. It makes me think of Kevin De Bruyne streaking through the midfield. Uh, you get custom spreadsheets. The legendary Ben Krellen has exclusive masterminded spreadsheets available at the hub. You can also access chat with other managers, including including private WhatsApp groups. So for more on that, visit fantasyfootballhub.co.uk slash always for that 25% off discount. All right, Brandon, we're back. Team previews part one. I cannot believe, Brandon, this is the sixth year we've done team previews. And it's these are honestly probably my favorite podcast of the season. They're right up there. Um, mm-hmm. I, there's there's like a mid-year one that we do too, where we kind of go team by team and assess like what went right, what went wrong. And that that one's pretty fun too, because it makes me feel like a teacher, like assigning a letter grade to to each team. But uh this is the moment where you can sort of look at every team and you could see how everything could go perfectly. You know, how, like if, if everything clicked, uh-huh. Arsenal could finish fourth this year, you know, if everything clicked, <laughs> Dare to dream. Could, yeah, Brighton could finish 16th, you know, it's like everything, you know, is, is, is on the table. Um, so we're going to kick things off with Arsenal. Um, I, I broken this out, um, by, um, and you and I have, we, we split this up. And so we, we, I think we've each done this a little bit differently, but, uh, the basic idea is the same, which is, uh, we're talking about new players, a uh, little bit of transfer news and some rumors, uh, the key returning players, and then a look at their fixtures over the next uh, few game weeks. So, yeah. uh, just sort of like a quick, it's almost like an elevator, an elevator pitch style overview for each team you know like can what, you sell arsenal in the room josh can you do <laughs> yeah, it exactly yeah we're going up to the 30th floor and i've got to explain arsenal's fantasy assets can i do it in time uh it's one of those scissor elevators though brandon so it's very slow you know it gives me time to what's a to scissor elevator it's a very of... old school style of elevator it's almost like uh it's like a scissor opening and closing that's how you go up and down i, I worked in a building in uh in manhattan actually that had one of these it took like took like three minutes to go from like one floor to the next. It was really <laughs> God. Crazy. Remember Manhattan? <laughs> yeah, seriously. All right. So <clears throat> here we go. Arsenal, new players, transfer rumors, William Brandon, perhaps you've heard of William. I uh, love William. <laughs> William actually made my end of season that much more palatable because he totally hit his stride him and Pulisic. What a delight to watch. Does he have um, yeah. comparable teammates to play with at Arsenal? You tell me. <laughs> well, the short answer is uh, not really, but he has an excellent manager. Uh, I think that we, uh, I, I am now, as I think most people are, very sold on the Arteta hire. I, I, I was really never opposed to it because I feel like, why not? You know, why not take a chance on someone like him? Uh, I've immediately shifted now to, oh my God, is he too good? Like, is he, is he going to leave for Barcelona or something? All right. It's like when you hire somebody in the office and you don't want somebody that's too good that will like go on and get another job like straight away. You want somebody who's just like in that middle of the road territory, a Frank Lampard, maybe. So somebody, somebody noted on Twitter that I, I can often be a little too negative about Arsenal. So I'm going to try to keep, keep my energy, uh, up a little bit. I, I, it's easy for me to get down in Arsenal cause I, I find their ownership very frustrating, but I'm going to. Move that aside. Focus on the players. There's a lot of players that I enjoy in this team. William is a funny one because in some ways he's always been a very um, middle-of-the-road fantasy asset. Um, you know, season before last, he had three goals and seven assists, right? Three goals and seven assists for a, a seven million player. Start of the season, 7.5 million. Uh, it's just, it's it's whatever, right? It's like maybe you have one game week in the season where 
um, where you can use them, but it's not, he's, you know, certainly not anyone you plan to keep for the long term. Cut to last season, Eden Hazard leaves Chelsea. William takes on a larger role on a ton of set pieces, uh, which he was only kind of intermittently on before. Picks up nine goals, nine assists, um, grabs 10 clean sheet points, too, and 26 bonus points in the season. Um, comes in at a reasonable price at $8 million and really fills a role for Arsenal. I think um, instant starter, um, 32, but, you know, it's not like he's a... He's a little guy, you know, it seems like he's going to be 32 is genuinely the prime for a lot of elite players. So, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's the question I think for William is not, is he too old now? Is that, was it a good contract for Arsenal to give him because flash forward to 34 and that's when you start to see the sharp decline. Sure. But let's, for sure. And let's, let's, so let's focus on the 32 for now. They gave him a three-year contract. I wish it would have been a two-year contract, but yeah. you know, maybe that was the only way they could sign him. They signed him in a free. So at least there wasn't a huge, you know, outlay there. Uh, so he's 8 million really fills a role for them. They, they really needed somebody in that attacking midfielder spot. And um, I think it helps the team up and down. Um, I think uh, uh, probably helps a Um, You know, I think that, you know, William was certainly, a, you know, capable of, you know, um, excellent crosses mm-hmm. and um and just sort of like you know like like strong link up play with the midfield um as a fantasy asset i think that he is fine i would say at eight million he is properly priced i don't think that he's overpriced or underpriced i'm not do you have a do you have a concern though that of those nine goals that william scored last year a number of them were penalties and given that Aubameyang is team captain and pen taker the likelihood of them coming off of Alba mm-hmm. are pretty pretty slim so William's goal contribution is probably going to take a hit there, right? That's a good point. Um, I guess the counter would be that maybe he'll be required to be a little more of a goal scorer in this in this Arsenal attack. Yeah, right. Um, especially, kind of depends on how they how they play. I mean, if it's a bombing and Lacazette, maybe not so much. Uh, in a lineup with just Lacazette, perhaps. I mean, Pepe isn't exactly a an explosive goal scorer, at least not yet. Um, so it, yeah, it's it's really interesting. I mean, you know, Aubameyang is is four million more. Um, also classified as a midfielder this season, um, and uh, you know, I, we'll just drop we'll, we'll we'll jump down to Aubameyang real quick. So Aubameyang is a uh, you know a twelve million dollar midfielder this season. Uh, so weird. You know, yeah, which we talked about a lot last time, and it's just one of those things you're just going to have to mentally get over. Um, and <laughs> I think that, uh-huh. you know, I mean, honestly, and he's really only a midfielder in certain setups, right? I mean, there's a very good chance that it can end up being that he plays the entire season as a forward. I mean, mm-hmm. it's honestly not clear to me at all. Um, it kind of depends on what happens with Lacazette, I think. Yeah. Um, so 22 goals, five assists, 37 bonus points. Because Man United and Man City don't play in game week one, um, I think that there's a reasonable, very good chance, I would say, that I have a Bamiang uh, for game week one. I think a lot of people will. Um, he's already up to 32% ownership, and they play they play Fulham and West Ham in the first two matches. Delicious fixtures, yep. and I can flash back to October of, was it October of 2018, when you and I yep. were at the cottage, and... Mm-hmm. Aubameyang started from the bench and he still came on and did he get an assist and scored two goals? It was ridiculous. I think he did. Yeah. Um, So yeah, he, he loves, he loves playing at the cottage, whether he's on the bench or not. Yeah. He's a flat track bully. You know, that's, that, that's, you know, he's, he's an excellent player, but he really, 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 you know, he's at his best uh, against promoted teams and and poor teams. And um, I think as we saw from Fulham's uh, run to the, to the, to the premier league that, um, 
the, they kind of did it in spite of their defense in some cases. So, I mean, the defense was a little better last. I know you're going to talk about Fulham in a minute, right? But it's not, we're not, you're not exactly uh, like convinced <laughs> that they're going to be super solid in the Premier League this year, right? No, no. I think it could be an assumed throughout this pod and future pods that, yeah, Fulham are not uh, going to uh, create a lot of resistance for teams like Arsenal now. Brendan, jumping back up to new players, uh, William Saliba is a 4.5 million center back. Uh, he's a really highly rated player. He was signed for $30 million a season ago. Uh, got loaned back to St. Etienne for, for one more season. He's very young. He's only 19 years old. Uh, but he is incredibly highly rated. And, um, you know, there are already these lofty comparisons that are getting thrown out. Um, Van Dyke level comparisons. Uh, we'll see. Um, mm-hmm. but it's exciting to, for Arsenal to have a player like this. They, they really have needed to strengthen their, their center back position. There's another player, um, uh, Gabriel, um, Gales, who is very rumored, uh, has not, that signing has not come through yet. Uh, but it looks like we may see an entirely new, uh, back line for Arsenal going into, uh, the season. You have uh, Pablo Mari as well, who was, who was, um, on loan and then signed this summer. So it's, I, you know, I think the defense could be a lot stronger. Um, and Saliba at 4.5 million is probably worth a shot. Um, and I think that especially, you know, depending on what you're going to go with in terms of your, you know, whether you're going to go with a, a 4-4-2 or a, I don't even know, a 3-5-2 perhaps. Sure. Um, it makes sense, I think, to um, to have a couple of 4.5 million players that you can rotate. And someone like Saliba and Ruben, Ruben uh, Vinagre could, uh, on Wolves could, could rotate really yeah. well. Um, so I think that, Saliba is really interesting. I, th- there's a very good chance that he makes his way into my team starting in game week one. Um, you know, he hasn't played in the Premier League yet. And so it's, you know, all I really have to go on is how highly rated he is. Um, he played very well in the French League. Um, he did get injured at one point. But, um, you know, from what they said, he was he was better before they were injured. So there you go, Brandon. I haven't, I haven't poured <laughs> over hundreds of hours of game tape. But uh, everyone <laughs> he's, is he's coming yeah. back stronger, Josh. Coming back stronger, exactly. So, um, so you have Saliba. There's tons of other players who are better, but until they uh, actually join, I'm going to hold off on speculating on the Arsenal, pl- the other Arsenal players that that may or may not come in. Um, you have Pepe uh, move down to a more reasonable eight billion price. Okay, price let's tag. talk. Let's talk about Pepe, Josh. Talk mm-hmm. to me about this. Uh, give yeah. me, give me a definitive thumbs up, thumbs down on Pepe. Well, if I had to be definitive, I'd say thumbs down. I mean, he's he's eight million, uh, five goals and six assists last season. Um, I wouldn't say that I was hugely impressed with him at any point during the season. Um, uh, I played a little better in the FA Cup, I suppose. But he is the type of player, though, don't you think? Where it it could just be like turning on a switch. Pepe has that kind of natural ability that where if he just finds a vein of form, he could be unstoppable as an fpl force like with the right form and the right fixtures i mean it's that's very hopeful thinking it's wishful thinking i agree like what we saw last season from pepe that fpl had to downprice him to make him more appealing because it's just it's just not that appealing at the moment I think Pepe falls into a category of player, and this is something I think a lot of people are going to experience as they start to put together their teams for game week one, uh, which is because the game has decided to move virtually everybody into the forward spot and price all of them, like all, all the kind of top fantasy assets are all kind of in that 10 to 12 million price range. Um, it, it is now, it, it's really going to make your midfield, I think, very polarized in terms of the price range of the players that you pick yeah. and you're going to want to have a lot of players who are between 10 and 12 and a lot who are between like 4.5 and six. 
and it's going to be very hard to fit. You know, someone like Son, I feel like is in this category too, where it's, it's very hard to fit him in, um, despite despite Spurs having some decent fixtures to start the season. And so I think Pepe may fall into that too, where you're just like, well, can I get something close to what I'm going to get from Pepe from like St. Maximum or something like that, yeah. you know, 5.5 million. And if so, I mean, five goals and six assists. I mean, like, I, I think you're right. Like he could turn it on, but until until these strings together, like two good performances in a row, yeah. I'm, I'm just not going to take Well, let's, too, let's think about it this way. If I think about where William played on the pitch for Chelsea, he kind of plays where Pepe was playing for Arsenal. So if Pepe is able to push a little bit farther forward with William being able to open up some space for him, right? Pepe can do more just running onto the ball as opposed to trying to, to make those shots. I could see William being the right player in the right spot on the field to unlock Pepe. So this is just my, this is my no. very optimistic thinking for him. I, I like it. I said we were going to go into Arsenal, be more optimistic than usual. So we're, <laughs> notice we're not talking about Ozil at all, Brandon. Normally I have to go down the Ozil road and just, and just, you know. Yeah. Uh, is this the first down. season where we just don't have to talk about him at all? Maybe. Fingers I think crossed. We Let's keep going. Uh, so we have Leno and Martinez. Uh, interesting situation there. Leno uh, was playing quite well before he got injured, uh, but then Martinez came in and, and arguably played better. Uh, Martinez is available for four point five million. Um, FA Cup hero. Um, just a lot of. I think a lot of people are kind of rooting for Martinez. You know, lifelong, not lifelong, but he's been with the club forever, and you know, finally got a chance to shine, and he really did. Um, so you know, the question is, does does he does does he move on? Does Lena move on? Do they both try to make it work? Uh, not clear. And I think because of that ambiguity, I, I would just suggest avoiding both of these uh, keepers. It's just too risky uh, to have one or the other. Uh, Kieran, I mean, do you disagree? What are, what are your thoughts on the Arsenal I, keeper I think situation? It sounds like Leno is getting more and more fit this summer, and he was so good. He was he was arguably, I mean, this side of Aubameyang, Arsenal's best player before he got injured. He was kind of emerging as an elite goalkeeper in the league. I think it's his position to lose if he's healthy. And Martinez, he's older. I think that if I had to guess, I'd say he'd be happy to stay on and be the cup keeper for Arsenal this coming season. So I think, yeah, I think going for Leno as a goalkeeper is an interesting shout, but the price outlay is the problem. And I think your shout on Saliba is more compelling 4.5 4.5 is really all I'd want to spend on an Arsenal defense yeah. until I actually see what's going on with them this season. For the record, Emiliano Martinez is actually one year younger than Bern Leno. So I think that there's, you know, he may, he may want to move on, you know, and, and actually, I mean, like uh, Martinez could, you know, go to a, I don't even know, pick, pick your, you know, pick your, maybe a, a, even a championship team or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, do the, do the, do the Fabianski route, you know, he, go to Swansea and he could be a hero. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, so then you have Kieran Tierney, who is, you know, 5.5 million, probably, like you said, I, I don't think I, I would spend that much on an Arsenal defender, but, um, you know, in, in a, in a three, you know, in like a three, four, three situation where he's bombing forward, um, he could be appealing. I mean, he, um, has a lot of attacking potential. He's been kind of injured, snake bitten his whole time at Arsenal. And so, um, you know, is he like the next, Marcus Alonso, um, I don't know if he's quite at that level, but, you know, I think he's really promising and, and, you know, I, I'm not dismissing him out of hand, but I'm not super excited to have him my team either. I have a place on my team for all players who tuck their shirts in. So Kieran Tierney, <laughs> bring it on. Uh, as far as fixtures go, uh, it's, it's a really good start. Fulham West Ham, 
pretty weak from there. Uh, they've played Liverpool and Man City away in game weeks three and five, Man United away in game week seven. So it's the, kind of the perfect situation to load up on a couple of players because of the early blank for Man United and then and then convert those players into Man United and Man City players over the next uh, few game weeks. Yeah, I think that's a good read. And Arsenal deserves, I think, that much attention in our team preview because I, I'm, I'm pretty excited for their their possibilities this season. And um, yeah. especially if they firm up that defense like you're talking about, because I think that would just save them so much grief. Okay, on to Aston Villa. And uh, when last we left the Villains, they were in 17th place in the Premier League. So what do we expect for them this season, I think like it, the way they played last season was, I guess you could call it admirable because they didn't have while they spent a lot of money in in that summer, they didn't have a whole lot to show for it. And Wesley getting injured didn't really help them. I just think they're going to have to spend more money before we get to, to September 12th for them to have any hope of finishing yeah, beyond 17th, 16th, 15th place. Wow. He took all my all, all the all the moroseness for Arsenal that I didn't have, and and you just dumped it on Aston Villa. Well, I'm just I'm just trying to be real. I mean, I do you disagree about Villa? I mean, what they 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 showed a certain amount of just nous, I guess you would call it, last season to to yeah. get to 17th. But you know, it's kind of a miracle at the same time that we're even talking about Villa right now. What did you yeah. What do you think? Like well, their highest I, I think- the highest point would be on the table this season. Yeah, I mean, I think their their defense was was significantly improved um, over the course of the summer, and that's that's why they stayed up. Um, I think that they they lack a forward, and I think their midfield is is decent, although there was too much pressure on Jack Grealish. And until they have a forward who can consistently score goals, um, they're going to struggle because they just ha- it feels like they have these stretches where they score you know one goal across four matches, and yeah. um, you know, and so I, I just think they're the classic team that you know it's hard to find a guy who can who can put in 15 or 20 in a season you know but that that feels yeah. like that's what they really need yeah i mean their strikers right now are wesley who's just trying to come back from uh, a knee injury that took him out for a large part of last season and samata who was his backup both yeah, priced at streaky, 3.0 yeah just, streaky, just mediocre you know not super yeah. impressive yeah. they are rumored to be after i mean a lot of clubs i think are after ollie watkins who plays for brentford who lost to fulham in the playoff final Watkins also been linked to West Ham and Leeds, um, but too. he could be that player that would. I mean, it just kind of depends on where Watkins' priorities are. I think a Premier League side is going to sign him. He's twenty four years old. It's not like he's just like this young, unblooded talent in the Championship. I think he could come up and do a Tammy Abraham for first first half of the season Chelsea, or he could come up and do a, a Che Adams. It's it's hard to say. Other interesting rumors for the Villa squad, American Weston McKinney, 21-year-old, ball-winning midfielder for Schalke. Uh, I mean, he's not an FPL asset per se. Uh, just scored three goals um, last season for Schalke. Southampton also rumored to be in for him, but I think just just something a little more interesting in the midfield to link up with Jack Grealish and alleviate him of, yeah. of some of that defensive I mean, duties. He had to shout out the, the one American who might <laughs> join the Premier League. I, yeah. I totally favor that. And uh, I mean, another Brentford boy, Saeed uh, Ben Rama, is also linked to Aston Villa. Just a rumor. If, if Ben Rama doesn't uh, come in, the rumors would be that Harry Wilson 
the Liverpool attacking mid who's been on Born- who has scored lovely free kicks for the relegated Bournemouth last season could be the incredible uninspiring transfer that Aston Villa end up making before the season begins. So, um, you know, just just kind of a lot of balls in the air for Villa right now. The key players that they currently have, obviously Jack Grealish. The issue here I have is his price tag, 7.0, and he gets that England bump for FPL managers. Eight goals and seven assists last season. He was a talismanic player, but 7.0 is far too much to pay for just eight goals and seven assists. I mean, I, any temptation at that price point, Josh? No. And again, it feels like uh, I, I'm, I'm really I'm focused on the lower end of the range and the top end of the range right now. And so players like Grealish really um, get hurt by that. Yeah, just just other key players to quickly note for Villa. John McGinn was a star at the very start of last season. Interesting price for him at 5.5. If he finds any attacking form, he would be one to put on your watch list, you know, come game week two, three, four. Uh, let's see. I mean, if we just look at the Villa fixtures, they blank in game week one, as we've said, then it's Sheffield United, Fulham, and then they meet Liverpool in game week four, Leicester. It's it's just, it, it makes my head kind of spin. Like it's a blank in game week one, followed by two really good fixtures for them, followed by Liverpool. Yeah. So I, I really don't know what to make of early investment. I think they're very much a wait-and-see club. So you mentioned the defense for Villa. They did improve after the restart. Uh, Tyrone Mings got the up price to 5.0. That's a headshot to him. I think you have to look down to 4.5 where there's Matt Target. Attacking fullback, three assists, uh, and one goal last season. And I think if he gets more consistent starts, which he should, and he, he remains healthy, I think he could be decent value later in the season at 4.5. Yeah, it's a good price. And I just this the the last interesting note for Villa is their goalkeeper situation with Tom Heaton. It looks like he could be fit. We don't know for sure for game week one, but obviously Villa don't play in game week one, so no worries. But he is part of this group of four point five goalkeepers, and I'd rank sort of Tom Heaton low on that list as as interesting a goalkeeper as he as he is. So I think Matt Target is the big takeaway on uh, this Villa list for me. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, I think that you're right to to highlight McGinn, though. I mean, only three goals and three assists last season. Obviously, he was injured for a big chunk of it, but he feels like the kind of person who could have a real breakout year. You know, especially in this kind of free rowing, attacking role that he's he's been given at times. Um, especially if they get a forward who can who can score. You know, I think that um, having a player like that would, would just help the whole team out, you know, and um, wouldn't require the midfielders to do quite so much, which actually would sort of, you know, have the end result of actually giving them more opportunities, you know, to to, to score and pick up assists. So um, I think McGinn is the one that I would at least be keeping an eye on um, going into the season. I, I don't know that I'll have any Aston Villa players that will start. start yeah. Off. So the highest we're going to go is 5.5 here for Villa. Just keep yeah. that that price threshold in mind. All right, take us through, take us to the South Coast, Josh. Okay, I will do. Oh, just one last note. If, if Grealish moves on to a bigger club, then $7 million could be a really good price. Um, but if you know, but if he stays at Villa, then obviously, yeah, I agree. It's, it's too much. <clears throat> okay, on that note, Brandon, the section we've all been waiting for. No, not the Everton section. That's still coming. Uh, <laughs> the one, the second one is uh, that everyone's waiting for is Brighton. Big time. Oh, 
Brighton Hove Albion, uh, big time section here, Brandon. Uh, okay. So there are not, it, it's a weird thing with them there. There's not a lot happening so far. Uh, they, they signed Adam Lallana, um, who comes in at 6.5 million for <laughs> no reason. As far as Mute, I can muted tell. cheers from the yeah, crowd, like, from the peanut cause gallery. He's, Cause he's famous. I don't know why he said he's that much. I Great mean, hair. Even okay, one goal and one assist last season, um, which obviously, like you know, there there's expectation, I guess, that he's going to have a larger role with Brighton. But even then, I'm not sure why. It just in general, it feels like Brighton players are priced like like they finished tenth last year, as opposed to like just barely scraping, you know, in, in another season the Premier League. Like these 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 prices should all be like cut down by like 0.5 million. Um, so anyway, Lalana comes in at 6.5, uh, one goal, one assist, 32 years old oft injured i'm not really sure what to expect there although i i like lalana and um you know certainly several years ago when he was at southampton he was a very fun wonderful player in close quarters like just great close ball control i really love his the way he dribbles and finds and creates space um i love um i like his energy like he's just like a player that i root for you know i just Mm -hmm. like him but um yeah i'm glad that he moved on too because clearly it was not um um, the, you know, the music had stopped at, at Liverpool, but you know, it worked out fine. He wanted, he won a league title and, and champions league and other stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, forward rumors, uh, Darwin Nunez, um, scored uh, 16 and 30 last season. Wow. The evolution of Brighton. We'll see that, that this is now this is rumored. This has not happened yet, but this is. Do you uh, think strong, pick up on my Darwin rumors. joke there, Josh? No, I, I, Brendan, I'm so focused <laughs> on my, on my list on. of topics that I have to hit here. <laughs> okay. Um, the the other question is uh, does Ben White return? Ben White uh, was a um, really highly regarded um, center back who played for Leeds last season, and Leeds is trying to buy him from Brighton. Uh, so far, uh, Brighton has has held the line with a, with a very high number that they're that they, they want yeah. uh, Leeds go. or possibly he, Chelsea to to pay somebody like that. He'll pro- probably go. Right? I think the reason that he maybe is more likely to go is that just today. Lewis Dunk signed a contract extension to stay at Brighton. This is a very big news for Brighton because it sounded for a long time this summer like he was going to move to Chelsea. So um, him staying, I think, just really helps out the entire uh, the entire Brighton team. Wow, is Um, that Tiago's music I hear? <laughs> uh, hey, we, we haven't even talked about Lamptey yet, Brandon. So, uh, <laughs> Dunk Dunk's priced at five million. He's got three goals, three assists, and nine clean sheets last season. Um, you know, I don't know if he's really worth five million. I, he, he probably pretty clearly not worth that much, um, unless you have more faith in the Brighton defense than I do. But him being there yeah. elevates the entire team and makes you a little more likely to take someone on. Like, I agree. Yeah. Like like Tariq Lamptey, Brandon he had some mm. fire performances down the stretch. If you looked at his numbers, there wouldn't be anything to be super impressed by. But they were experimenting with a three at the back um, near the end of last season, and in that role, you know, as a as a wing back in that three at the back formation, he was extremely attacking, and he was available for just four point five four million. And a lot of people were really um, interested in him. And uh, I, I feel like it was like he never quite caught on because the fixtures were never quite good enough for Brighton, but um, available for just 4.5 billion this season, somebody that I am very seriously considering and may even have in my game week one team, Brandon, that's how, that's how go you on. Know, intrigued I am by, by Tariq Lamptey. So um, yeah, just in general though, I mean, what are your thoughts on the Brighton defense? I, I feel like it's really, um, <sighs> I just don't know. I don't know what to think. Um, I do like the Brighton defense, and I think that they sold themselves short at the the second half of last season. Matt Ryan was a fantastic goalkeeper, 
for FPL teams for the first half of the season. And then I don't know if it was, I mean, Potter is just a really interesting and a challenging man, uh, manager for Brighton. And I think it's necessary. Like Brighton couldn't, they, they, they couldn't just be the new Stoke city. They had to try to find a way to bring a more sophisticated philosophy into the club. And I think the defense FPL wise kind of had to take a, take a ding for that. That said, yeah, I agree. Like, Dunk is a, is a statement of purpose sort of signing. Ryan is a tremendous shot stopper, probably like the peak of his powers right now. And I, I uh, um, Dan Byrne, a former Fulham player, just like like the tallest man to ever, ever play um, <laughs> on the island of England. Um, yeah. I think they've got a tremendous lineup of, of defenders and a goalkeeper. So if... If Potter is able to solidify the team front to back, I think they could be a decent bargain defense to play for. Okay. All right. You've like your optimism has has sold me a little bit, Brian. You made me feel better about Lamptey. Okay. And that's <laughs> yeah. that's what's most important. Um, so the other the rest of the team, you have you have Trissard, who we actually talked about a little, a little bit in our price prediction podcast, because I just like Trissard. He is like he is the he like is one of the great consolation goal scorers in, in the Premier League. When 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 Brighton are playing a team like Man City and they're up, they're, you know they're down six nil. He is exactly the kind of player you want to have in fantasy because he just loves scoring a consolation goal in those circumstances. Uh, five goals and five assists last season. I wish he came in at five point five. He came in at six million, which I think is just a little too high. But um, he's just a player that I, I personally enjoy watching and. Um, um, it, it's like, I almost want him to start the season with high ownerships so that a lot of people drop him after some board performances and I can get him for like 5.7 million at some point. But, um, you know, he's been in and out of that squad a little bit too. He's been kind of uh, rotation prone, uh, kind of a weird, like, it's funny cause it had happened with, um, with their previous manager as well. And, um, uh, with, um, oh, who was the player who's in and out of. Oh. Yeah, we know you with Chris, Chris Hewton, but there was another. There's a player with with Hewton that was that was in and out of the team uh, all the time. Oh, uh, Pascal Gross, um, where Pascal Gross was sort of just could never get consistent starts for whatever reason. It seems and, like a delicate human being, Pascal Gross. Like, don't push him yeah. too far, or he'll get grumpy, or he'll fall apart, or something like that. Yeah, and you know, it's funny. I didn't even include him in the preview, even though he's priced at the same price as uh, as as Trissard. He's available for six million. You know, it just has never been quite as good as he was that first season of the Premier League when yeah. he had seven goals and eight assists in the 17, 18 season. And, um, you know, it's hard to really, um, to, to recommend him too highly, but you know, you never know. I mean, this, this, they, they have this giant midfield still, and, uh, there's lots of players who are intriguing. And, um, it's like, you, you kind of wonder if maybe they're one of these teams that, that could put it all together this season and, and maybe, you know, I don't even know. I don't know. I don't know what their ceiling would be eighth place or something like that, but it's, it's um, like a, yeah. a muted Sheffield United sort of a performance season long performance right. at the very best. I, I think eighth yeah. Yeah, is probably the ceiling and that's being quite optimistic. I think if it would be huge progress for them, if they could comfortably finish, you know, 12th, 13th place and, that would be a spot for them to build from. Um, and I think that, you know, one thing they would need, and this is something that Sheffield United actually kind of got to um, near the end of the last season, which is uh, some more consistent performances from their forward line. Um, they have Trissard, or excuse me, they have no, Mape, had 10 goals, three assists, came in a little high, in my opinion, at 6.5 million, probably renders him um, slightly irrelevant um, yeah. from a fantasy perspective. Um, they could really use a second forward though. Um, they have Connolly who uh, put in some, some decent performances, but I, I'm not really sure that Connolly and Mape are, are the answer. 
Um, Glenn Murray, uh, available for only five million. So if Glenn Murray moved on to like West Brom or something, okay. uh, I would, I would love a bring, bring Glenn Murray to West Brom, right? And there, that is my, my fervent hope. There is only like, there are fewer and fewer clubs with, uh, vertical stripes that Glenn Murray hasn't played for yet. So I think West <laughs> exactly. Brom is next on the, on the hit list. Yeah. And then do like a midseason transfer to Southampton, right? So you can get, there you those, go. get those stripes too. Uh, as far as fixture outlook goes, it's a real mixed bag. Um, I wouldn't say it's good or bad. Uh, they've played Chelsea, Man United in two of the first three. Uh, Newcastle, Everton. You know, honestly, I'd say I'd say it, it veers on bad, um, if only because you don't have that kind of like really nice run of three, four, five fixtures in a row where you could reliably plug-in players, you know, especially the defenders that we've talked about. I guess you could maybe look at this run between game weeks five and nine, uh, where they play Palace, West Brom, Burnley, and Aston Villa. But even then, I'm not, I'm not super enthused. So, yeah, I think Brighton is a like the whole team is just kind of like a wait and see, see what midfielders yeah. emerge, see if we can trust the defense. Uh, but I wouldn't start the season with with any of their players necessarily. Yeah, they do seem like a team where you've, as an FPL manager, you really need the marriage of form and fixtures to convince yeah. you to bring in any of these players. And that's something that you're only going to see once we start playing. Yep. Yep. All right. Off to turf more we go. Burnley last finished dead even at uh, 10th position in the table. The prediction for this season, Josh? 10th <laughs> place. 10th place. It's got to be 10th. Um, that's just like the perfect spot for Burnley. It's pretty good. It's not that bad. It's not really good. It's not very bad at all. Um, and if I'm looking at their fixtures, they blank in game week one. Beyond that, their fixtures are like perfectly fine. So if we're talking about Burnley, the question for game week one is like, how comfortable are you benching a 5 million, 5 million plus defensive asset in game week once so you can roll them out against Leicester and Southampton and in games weeks, game weeks two and three. I really yeah. love their fixtures after that Newcastle and West Brom. So I guess that leads us directly to the biggest talking point of Burnley, which is Nick Pope, very close to winning the Golden Gloves. Last season, he got up price to 5.5, which is entirely justified like that is the correct price for pope we we talked about this at length in our price prediction pod 15 clean sheets one pen save the incredible thing with pope is when he cleans he also gets those bonus points 23 bonus points on the season so it's it becomes less a discussion about nick pope and his price and more a discussion of your entire team and the price point that you want for your goalkeeper because Nick Pope is worth 5.5 and he will give you value for 5.5, but can you fit him in? Right. Sure. Does that, doesn't that make sense? No, you're right. It's just like, I'm like, you're really, you're, you're hitting how good he is from every angle. And I'm just listening. I'm like, wow, Brandon, like Brandon really loves this, this price point for Nick Pope. Well, it's you not, not I'm not saying, okay, I'm not saying I love the price point. Listen, I, li- I, I enjoy the fact that I live in a world that is ruled by justice, and mm-hmm. it's rare that you see proof of that. But the fact that Pope is priced at 5.5, it, right. and it's rare in FBL that you see, yep, that is the 100% the arc, price. The arc of justice may be long, but it bends towards Pope. Yeah, right? exactly. The, uh, yeah. So the, the, the issue with Pope, uh, which I'm sure you're getting to, I'm just cutting you off right now, but the game week one blank kills him, right? It's like it, it – like, it demolishes what was kind of emerging as the consensus 
keeper to start the season, right? Because yeah. you do not want to start the season with a no keeper <laughs> or or yeah. B make a goalkeeper transfer in game week two or something. That sounds Here, terrible. Here's your here's your one entree into Nick Pope for game week one. It is that if we learn that and and let me finish here. It's if you, you learn that Tom Heaton is not fit to start game week one and that Nyland still priced at 4.0 for Villa mm-hmm. would start. But here's the rub, Josh. Villa blank. <laughs> so that <they're, laughs> you are, doesn't work. You're yeah. absolutely right. Pope is just going to have to wait for your wild card. I, I agree with you. Um, and it's a shame that Nick Pope is so good that we won't actually get to access what I just discovered, the greatest player name in FPL this season. Maybe this could be a new always oh, cheating talisman, but the backup keeper for Burnley. Stop me if you know this, Josh. <laughs> uh, I did not know this. No. Bailey Peacock Farrell. Is this not like the most Downton Abbey name? Like, and returning from the trenches of World War I, the highly decorated second lieutenant Bailey Peacock Farrell. 4.0 backup keeper. What a yeah. name. Bailey is an iterated name in general. I, I wish that there were more Baileys out there. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of any other Baileys. It's it's like a TV show name, right? Like, I feel like it's, it's like, like I said, Downton Abbey. How many yeah. Baileys do you know in real life, though? I can, I can, I can't count one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zero. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so what, so what's going on with uh, Burnley right now? Uh, all we know that certain players are out. Of course, Joe Hart, backup keeper, is off to Spurs. That that's weird and wild. Aaron Aaron <laughs> Lennon and Jeff Hendrick are also out. No relevance to FPL. The only transfer rumor I was able to source for Burnley source. I've I've got my sources. Josh is. <laughs> Baptiste Satamaria, a 25-year-old French defensive midfielder. So he's not an FPL asset of any kind, but perhaps an interesting foil for Jack Cork. So it, just in straight FPL talk, we talk, we discussed Nick Pope. I think it's the right price, but he's going to have to wait for our wild cards. And then there's Chris Wood, 6.5. It's hard for me to frame some any sort of discussion Around these Burnley players, Chris Wood at 6.5, Dwight McNeil at 6.0, Tarkowski and me, me perhaps still injured at 5.5 and 5.0. These are all the right prices for these players, mm-hmm. but they're they're just a victim of the of the fixtures. I think just if if you're not interested, I think we're all gonna kind of commit to a not Nick Pope strategy at the at the outset. So then I think your attention immediately goes to the central midfield pairing of Tarkowski and me. And maybe yeah. that's that's like the one thing that we could discuss is that me getting injured at the end of last season and not getting the same Tarkowski bump, me remaining at 5.0 might make him an FPL asset that we need to come back to at some point yeah. this season. I think it's really a really interesting price point for him. It's a little odd that they're 0.5 apart. I mean, because like you said, it's really just the injury. I mean, it, to me, me and Tarkowski are like interchangeable. This, yeah, they're like, yeah, they're like the same player. And so, like, I don't know why you why you would go for Tarkowski for 0.5 more. I mean, his over the last four seasons, um, he's got what? F- I mean, it's just like if you're looking at attacking threat as like a divider, you know, he's got five goals and eight assists over the last four seasons, um, and me has four goals and and seven assists right so yeah. it's like it's basically the same you know yeah. i i don't see a massive difference between those two players okay so when we talk about sword picks and shield picks the sword pick is the 
is the I'm being an aggressive FPL manager pick. The shield pick is I'm trying to cover myself. This is a safe, sensible pick. If you want Burnley shield picks, 4.5 defenders, easy to sit on your bench in game week one. So Peters, Bardsley, Taylor, Loughton, who's probably out of favor. So I just focused mostly on Peters, who had five assists by the end of last season. Good players to just slot on your bench if you want to shield yourself against Burnley clean sheets that might be incoming come game week three or four. So um, maybe that's my big takeaway going into game week one for Burnley is looking at those fullbacks for Burnley. Yeah. And I mean, of those fullbacks, Charlie Taylor, you know, was the one that started out. But but Peters is maybe it's like, yeah, I mean, I I guess the reason they're all 4.5 is it's not completely crystal clear which ones you can trust to be the star. I mean, Phil Bardsley, like that guy's like 35, right? So I mean, he feels like he's the one who I'm least, yeah. who I'd be least interested in. Um, I know Loughton and Taylor, maybe that's a little bit more of a battle though. It feels like Taylor is, has, has won that role. Um, and then Peters, I just feel like he's not quite as like, I don't think he's rated as highly of a defender. Um, yeah. Although there may be times when you get him as an out of position, you know, playing a little further up. So um, I guess if I had to pick one, I probably would pick Peters. Um, Agreed. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just because uh, the, uh, the, you know, the additional attacking threat. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? I mean, we didn't really talk about Chris Wood. He, he is the pen taker for Burnley. 6.5 could prove to be like not good, not bad, but normal value for him. Yeah. So he's just one to just slot on the watch list and revisit. Any, anything yeah. else though here? No, it's too bad the Barnes came in at uh, at six million. Um, at five point five, I think he could have been appealing. Obviously, he had a major injury that he dealt with the second half of last season. But I think it was like a, um, it was like a, was it a hamstring or something like that? I feel like it was some kind of like hip injury. So um, I, I don't know. I mean, like he's not he's not flagged right now, so I think he may be available. To he start was suffering from a case of Austrian thumb syndrome, I think. <laughs> So we'll see. We'll see what happens with our favorite pseudo Austrian uh, player, uh, not officially eligible for the Austrian national team. Sadly, it's a shame. Uh, or is he, is he eligible? Or just didn't I, get picked. I, I, we went through this once before. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't. Yeah, and who cares? I think is the response to that. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Chelsea. Lots going on here at Chelsea. Uh, oh my god, this is I am excited for this. Like Chelsea yeah. gets an FPL manager's blood absolutely pumping, does it oh, not? Totally. Oh, and then they I mean they start off too with with inc- some incredible fixtures as well. I mean they really they they like they, the the pot is so sweetened for Chelsea Brandon because A they play in game week 1, they've got a really good fixture playing Brighton uh you know, and so if you're if you're looking to like kind of hold some of your Man United Man City money, it's such a perfect place to put yeah. some of it. Yeah. Um, so you have uh well let's start off with Team of Werner first because Team of Werner came in at I, I think a very fair price at nine point five million. Uh fair it's a pretty good price, right? I mean good yeah. I thought he'd come in at 10.5 uh, when we did our price production podcast. Yeah. So a, a full million. Uh, and, and I think you said 10 million. So even, even, you know, so we we're yeah. both over. Yeah. Um, so, you know, 34 goals, 13 assists, 45 appearances. What's nice about him is he can play in a lot of different setups. Uh, he can play with, with an additional striker. He can play um, as, as a lone forward. Um, he is not one dimensional. He's very capable of, of knocking in some assists. Um, I, I just think he's just, going to be the kind of player who I think is just going to, you know, it's like, I think he's turning 25 this season. Um, so he's kind of the perfect age to quarter right? like century. 
quarter century. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's got a big body, you know, so I don't think there's going to be a, a, a much of an adjustment. <laughs> Good money ball reference there. I like it. <laughs> well, I just, he, he's just kind of, it's a little bit like Diego Costa, I think, in some ways. I mean, he doesn't I mean, have the Diego Costa fire, but he's got a lot of the same attributes that Costa brought to the Premier League when he joined. You're right. He is kind of like a weird science sort of a striker. It's like, all right, he's he's not slight, but he's not too thick. He does, he's got a center of gravity a la Aguero, but he's not so short. Um, I mean, not that there's any sort of remotely close knock against Aguero, but he's yeah, just a very very versatile forward player it's yeah i agree yeah and he came in at a fair price uh i think he'll 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 start you know right off the bat um sure i mean yeah maybe he starts the second half of the first match or something I mean, you know that, that happens sometimes but you know give him 45 minutes to see the pace of the premier league uh but i think that i i think this i think he just starts straight up uh he he did not uh play in the champions league uh for um for leipzig he decided to move to Chelsea and start training right away. And so I think that he's going to be, you know, slotted in immediately. Um, he's in my, he's in my, my draft squad at the moment. And uh, I think he probably stays there. I think I yeah. find a, a, a way to keep him. The only player that, I mean, I, I think long-term he could move to, um, to Anthony Martial. Uh, we'll talk about him. Uh, I think on next week's podcast, but um, you know, Martial came in at 9 million, which I think is a really fair price for, for him. Uh, but at the moment, I think I start game week one with Timo Werner. Um, and then uh, the other player, the other major signing, there's a lot of other rumored signings, is um, uh, Hakim Ziyech. And he joined from uh, Ziyech or Ziyech. I think we, okay, we so clarified we, this and now I'm in my head again. Every but, episode, it's going to be different. But I've done some research and actually shout out to FPL JMO who hit us up on the Slack and sent me one of those fabulous YouTube sort of like, here is a robot saying the name. Right. So it's a soft ch, like it's almost a j. So you would say ch, ch. Okay, right. Which I okay, that does make sense. But I I thought that I had said it that way last. You know, I don't know. This is like <laughs> this is like God enter help us. God enter help the us. world of Josh Landon's head right now. As I try to remember how to pronounce uh-huh. his name. So ch uh, joined from from Ajax, and I know there's a lot of excitement right now about ch, and um, I, I think his ownership is already up to like twenty five percent or something like that. And you know, coming at eight million, it's really tempting. I'm a little, as a fantasy aspect, I think that, I, I think, you know, long-term he's, I, I see a lot of value there. Eight goals, 21 assists and 35 appearances for Ajax last season. He's 27. So much like Werner, he's, you know, pretty experienced player. Uh, but, you know, it's like, it's given that role that kind of, you know, in the whole role, I, it's like, I kind of want to see how he does first before I sure. bring him in. He's more of a wait and see player for me. What do you think about Ziyech? Well, I think there is a huge opportunity here at 8 million because it's like playing in the hole on, on a lot of teams. You're just, you've got nothing, you've got nothing going for you. And here he's got the prospect of, I know you're going to mention Kai Havertz in a moment. There is the prospect of Ziyech, playing flanked by Pulisic and Havertz and Timo Werner in front of him. I just see so many routes to points for Ziyech. Uh, and at eight, 8.0, if Chelsea come out of the gates, I just think that could be perhaps one of the biggest. It's like it's like a combo. It's I feel like I am going right. to start with Ziyech and Werner, Werner because at 8.0 and 9.5, I just feel like as a combination that could be the biggest attacking value that FPL has going for it first half of the season. I think that's fair. Um, I think the, uh, the question then is, um, 
is he a long-term person player or is he, you know, actually, sorry, I'm just like thinking this through right now. Go I'm, on, that's I'm, why I'm we're here, totally, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not totally sold on my own team yet. And I guess one way you could think about it is like you, you have Z-Edge in that role, see how he does. And then he converts into a Mason Greenwood or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a Phil Foden, you know, now pretty, you're talking. easily. Now you're yeah, talking. So I love yeah, this. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Again, that 8 million price point though, I do think is, is a little tricky. And so, um, uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll talk. We're, we're, we're going to talk a lot more about 12 million players as we, as we go here. Uh, you know, Man United, Liverpool, we already talked about Aubameyang. There's a lot of players who are going to gobble up a ton of money in your team. Um, which, you know, interestingly brings me to Olivier Giroud, who I think is kind of forgotten right now uh, from a fantasy perspective, but I think it's very possible that they line up, especially if they don't sign Kai Havertz, mm-hmm. um, that they sign, that they line up in a two, like a, like a rotation where, you have Werner on the left and Giroud in the forward role, um, at least at least for the time being. Um, and Giroud uh, comes in at seven million, which is quite a good price if he becomes the starting keeper for uh, for Chelsea. Or is it starting striker that is not that maybe the keeper? We'll see what happens with with Kep and Caballero. <laughs> he, he could do just as well. I think that's right because. Werner proved at Leipzig that he can play off to the left. He can kind of do the Aubameyang thing. And then, um, you know, if you forgive me, I can compare Giroud to Inketia for a moment. It's sort of a like mm-hmm. for like. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, Giroud is just like unbeatable. He is just a solid block of French gloriousness. And <laughs> I, I think they, sh- I think he should just play yeah. every minute of every game until he falls over it. Uh, didn't we all kind of fall in love with him this summer? I mean, I, I always liked Giroud, but even more, he, he was just so such class all summer. I think what I identify with him most is he's just sort of like, he always bears the expression of, um, I'm mostly here to get paid. Um, but I, I still do weirdly take a certain amount of pride in what I do. So don't mess with me in that regard. He's, I just identify with him so much. I'm also just so handsome. And that's another reason which I identify I mean, with Giroud. Just the fact that he started, was it every match for France in the World Cup and had no goals and no shots on target? I, I think about that every time I see him. I'm like, that would that's the one thing that keeps him up at night. It's not the countless missed chances for Arsenal. It is it is and it it is the I didn't I won the World Cup, but I didn't score a goal. I don't think he had a shot on target. I, I, I think it was that that extreme. I think that it was like he had one shot that was blocked or something like that. But yeah. but then he so, just yeah, he just thinks about crazy. his scorpion kick goal and then he uh, quickly falls to sleep. Yeah, but it's also just a testament to how good of a player he is, right? That he yeah. you know that he's so his link up play, you know, like you know just winning headers, you know, heading, you know, just. Um, that he can just kind of fit into any team, despite being kind of a traditional, yeah, big old forward, consummate know? role player. Yep. Uh, just to go back to the new players and transfer rumors for a second. Um, you know, we don't need to go through all of them. A lot of players are rumored. Kai Havertz, who is awesome, uh, currently plays for Bayer Leverkusen. We'll see if a deal gets across the line before uh, the end of the summer. It probably depends on how much money Leverkusen need you know like i mean a lot of club, you know, covid just changes everything you know mm-hmm, so right. so so we'll see what happens there um if if so then yeah i think he could um he's interesting because he's a he is a midfielder but he also play he can he can, he can play as a forward as well and i think he played in the number nine role um the last i was an, i don't know if it was all season for Bayer leverkusen it certainly was down the stretch he was playing in that role so um, be really interesting to see how he fits in. He kind of ended up actually taking Giroud's spot if he joins. Uh, Tiago Silva, there are a lot of rumors say that he's going to join on a free uh, from uh, PSG. 
Uh, and then uh, John Stones has been rumored. Apparently, okay. I don't really understand that. That feels like that feels like bringing in Kurt Zuma, where you're just yeah. like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. you know? It's like you know, uh, thank you for your service, Christensen. But we found a guy who weighs ten more pounds than you, uh, but is <laughs> is just as gifted. <laughs> Uh, Declan Rice uh, is rumored and I, Declan Rice is a great player and uh, I, I think that um, I don't know if he would play as a defensive midfielder or as, or as a center back in that team but um, I think that would be a good signing if they got that one across so lots of lots of interest uh, lots of interesting players I think Chelsea like you said there's just a lot that's that's exciting we haven't even talked about uh, Christian Pulisic yet yeah. um, okay here let me ask you a question Brendan do you like the Captain America nickname? <laughs> no I I don't. I think I don't know if it's that the name makes me more uncomfortable or it's the countless photoshops of Christian Pulisic's head on Captain America's body <laughs> that that make me uncomfortable. But right. it, it's sort of like a um, somebody he who looks like the guy. He looks like Captain America before Captain America took the super soldier serum <laughs> that made him Captain America. Yeah. Right? Like Christian Pulisic is like five, seven and. 110 pounds so i mean people yeah. from portugal take a huge amount of pride in cristiano ronaldo but it's not like when ronaldo does something good it's like oh there he is again captain portugal this man represents <laughs> portugal and it just it <laughs> makes me self-conscious as an american fan when somebody's like pulisic represents your entire country and everything you have to offer soccer i mean i guess it's yeah it's, I, I, uh, it's it's, it's kind of like with mo Salah, where they're like oh like the he egyptian uses, king yeah, the Egyptian king, or is he using his Egyptian wiles or whatever. And I'm just like, that sounds wrong. I don't know. Just feel, <laughs> I do not like that. Yeah, so I guess I feel that way about Pulisic, too, where I'm like, I love him. I think he's awesome. But um, for the record, we were, both, we were both on record not liking the Captain America nickname. That said, he's an awesome player. I, I, my favorite moment for, for me uh, with Pulisic, I mean, he had a, had a hat trick last year, which was, which was a very nice hat trick, but it was the performance when he came off the bench against Liverpool that I was like, okay, this guy can absolutely hang in the Premier League. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's no Tyler Adams. It's not like he's scoring in a uh, Champions League uh, quarterfinal or anything <laughs> like that. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, I, um, as a Fulham supporter in a long time, like McBride and Dempsey fan, like seeing Americans play and excel in the Premier League, Pulisic has legit taken it to the next level with Chelsea. And yeah, I can't I, I think he's got more to give. I really do. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, I, I think that he could uh, make a real mockery of that of that eight point five million price. Um, I think that it's um, I mean it's it's a totally fair price given his return last season. But for him to have nine goals and eight assists in twenty five matches, I think that we could see a. I mean, Hazard, you know, as good as he was, I mean, I think, you know, he was averaging around fourteen goals and ten assists, uh, like at the at the absolute height of his. Um, of his run, uh, maybe you know a couple more goals, a couple more assists, and maybe some of his you know in some of those seasons. But it came out to around fourteen and ten, and I think we could see that from Pulisic this season. I think that fourteen and ten is is on the table, especially yeah. with all the talent that's around him. I don't think that's going to hurt him. I think that's only going to make him. I mean, it, it doesn't hurt. You know, it's it's not like there's like Man City level where there's just like two of everything. You know, it's like it's like, is he going to start? Is he not going to start? Like, the, yeah, yeah, Lampard is building his perfect 11 this summer, which it, it like just your your allegiances to your club aside. It's really exciting to see a club like Chelsea this summer say, all right, you have the resources. What if we went out there and said, let's build the perfect 11 with with who's available? And um, yeah. for Pulisic to be a part of that is really cool. 
Um, as far as the defense goes, I think we have to wait to see what happens with uh, with all the transfers. I mean, if Keppa and Caballero both came in at five million, so if one of them, if they don't sign a keeper this summer, uh, whoever starts would be a great. I mean, a Chelsea keeper for five million that would be um, a great price. Um, you could actually, if, if either one of them started, you could actually probably just make an argument as like a set and forget, like pair yeah. one of them with a four million and just and just write it out. Um, but yeah, good good start of the season. Uh, Brighton away, Liverpool at home, not great. But then uh, West Brom, Palace, Southampton, um, Man United away. But then Burnley, Sheffield, Newcastle. It's it's just a nice run. Um, really, like across the first ten game weeks. So um, I think that um, you know if you were thinking about doing that game week two wild card, the fact that Chelsea's fixtures are so good may turn you away from that a little bit because you could be in a position where you're just dropping Chelsea players despite having a really good run of fixtures, you know? And yeah. so maybe you just don't load up on Man United and Man City um, quite as early as a result. Well, Chelsea is perhaps the team I'm I'm most pumped for. I mean, it, it they are helped by United and City blanking in, in game week one, but a lot of these players are going to be really sizing up for game week one for sure. All right, Brandon, let's take a quick break and we're going to get back and do part two of our team previews. I just realized how long we've already gone. So we'll do part two of our team previews after this. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore. So everyone can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products. A lot of CBD products claim to be organic but still contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the US, and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, and sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. And now through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products, but you've got to go to theragun.com. That's T-H-E-R-A-G-U-N.com slash blue wire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash blue wire but only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun.com slash blue wire. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFLSundayTicket.tv. You can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite team's and favorite players no matter where you live nfl sunday ticket.tv is your key to the most glorious sundays ever use the promo code blue wire at checkout that's all one word blue wire to get 15 percent off your subscription visit nfl sunday ticket.tv and use promo code blue wire All right, Brandon, we're back. Part two of part one of our team previews. Uh, Crystal Palace, kick us off here, Brandon. What should we know about Crystal Palace? Well, Palace finished 14th last season, and I know one thing. They have to change something. They have to change anything because 
I, I cannot stand to watch this iteration of Roy Hodgson's palace for another season. Like what, sure. what did we watch last season? It was, I mean, it was, it was workmanlike and I respect that, but it was truly bizarre in its workmanlikeness. It was, uh, yeah, they like did a job and they were kind of fun for a little bit and their defense was good, but then their defense, um, had a bunch of injuries and, and then it was kind of like Jordan Ayu by himself, um, yeah. sort of like he like yeah. carried them to, I mean, to across the finish. Line. I mean, how, how do you end up in that situation where Jordan Ayu is doing that for you? And how do you end up in a situation where you're like, I guess Christian Benteke is still an integral part of this attack. I mean, he yeah. he kind of did uh, an Olivier Giroud light job at the end of last season for Palace, and you know, I, I guess I have to give him some amount of credit for that, but. Like where where do they go from here? And there are no rumors of any transformational signings, or it, it, it's like Andre Andres Townsend is starting to make waves in social media, and it's less anyone is coming looking for Townsend, and it's more like, hey, I'm making noise, like I'm over here. Right. Um, so who who is who is leaving versus who is going from Palace? Much remains to be seen. I mean, the biggest rumor I saw was Ryan Brewster. Liverpool striker who was on loan at Swansea last season uh, scored 11 goals for them in 22 appearances. So if Brewster ends up coming to Palace, I mean, I don't know whose job that complicates. I would expect it complicates Christian Benteke's. I could see Jordan Ayew and Brewster maybe playing off sure. of each other and freeing up a little bit, bit more space for Zaha because Benteke doesn't really move around a lot. But that would be that would get me a little interested. Uh, yeah. I mean, Brewster's 4.5 million. So that would, you know, that would, that would be very intriguing. Like if, if, you know, usually we get one 4.5 million player, somebody comes out of the woodwork and, you know, Greenwood last year. And I'm sure there was somebody the season before that. And, you know, so maybe, yeah, maybe it's Brewster this season. We'll see. Yeah. Zaha is always the key player you have to talk about with palace and good grief last season four goals and six assists like it, he, he's still waiting for that we've we've talked about this before josh about how our, our yes. disappointment and how zaha has just not been able to figure out what his career <laughs> let is us down yep yep and at 7.0 like that's just a no-go zone for fpl managers jordan ayu 6.0 if you compare that price tag to 5.0 last year it's it's like go lift it feels disappointing to me because you know, we've got other strikers at 6.0 Mitrovic who, I mean, I'm not going to say that Fulham are going to be a better squad than palace. I doubt that they will be as organized as palace this season, but at least yeah. Mitrovic, most goals will be funneling through him, whatever goals Fulham do score. So 6.0 is kind of a tough beat for IU. If they find the right form and fixtures, Maybe he is a player that you have a romance with for a couple of weeks at some point uh, during the course of the season. The player that we have to talk about, though, and that you're, you're starting to see in a lot of drafts is Nathan Ferguson. So if you talk about the Aaron Juan Basaka effect from Palace a couple of seasons ago, who is or the uh, the John Lundstrom of last season, who is the 4.0 defender who's going to immediately emerge from game week one? who is consistently yeah. starting. So Ferguson was just signed by Palace this summer. He's 4.0 in the game. He's young. He's 19 years old. He is a fullback. I 
honestly cannot decipher if he plays on the left or the right. I think maybe on the right, um, which would make sense because he probably wouldn't want to be competing with the injured Van Anholt. But 21 appearances for Ferguson for West Brom, where he played in the championship last season before he blew his knee out and that cut his season short. But he's still rated really highly. And it looks like a lot of Palace fans are pegging him to get a lot of minutes at the start of the season. So if you're looking for that one 4.0 defender, Nathan Ferguson on Palace, he's your guy. The The concerning part, though, is, as you mentioned, Josh, the rest of the Palace defense is kind of out with injury from Saka to Van Anhalt to Tompkins. It's it's going to be like a mash unit in game week one, I suspect, unless we hear more news from the likes of Dinnery. Um, but I mean, even even if you don't see those clean sheets, if Ferguson is still getting minutes, 4.0, a 4.0 player who just gets minutes and no returns is still worth the value. So that's that's your big shout out. Guaita, a decent goalkeeper, 5.0. That's just like 0.5 too high. Yeah, it's it's 5.5. You can convince yourself he's really good, like a la Nick Pope, but 5.0, it's it's 0.5 too high. Looking at Milivojevic, so interesting. He's always been an interesting FPL asset to me because he has been able to bridge that gap between the defensive midfielder and FPL asset player. Because he mm-hmm. does play a defensive midfield role, but by virtue of him being on pens and taking direct set pieces, there's always been value there. If you look at two seasons ago, he scored 12 goals. Three seasons right. ago, 10 goals. Last season for Milivojevic, just three goals. It's quite a drop-off. So it's 6.0 for Milivojevic. That's another one player we know for Palace that's kind of off the table for yeah. FPL. So there's there's he's just, a player that's very just on Millie for a second. He's he's a player who's very dependent on how hard Zaha is trying. You know, like if if Will Zaha is trying really hard and he is winning penalties and winning fouls outside the box cuz cuz Millie is is on pens but he's also a very good free kick uh, free hit, you know, kick ticker. Um and so there are, you know, he's like when, when Zaha is really active and engaged and kind of doing like a Jack Grealish kind of thing where he's just winning fouls over the place, it helps Millie. But A, if Zaha leaves, um, which is possible, although who knows at this point, um, then that really hurts him. And um, yeah, and B, we just have to see if Zaha is, if, if Zaha stays, is he going to be the Zaha that we have seen um, right. at times over the last couple of seasons? I mean, he, this guy had 10, Zaha had 10 goals and 11 assists just just a season back, you know, the 18, 19 season, I mean, double digits on, you know, goals and assists. That's, you know, makes him a very valuable fantasy asset and it, it elevates, uh, uh, Millie as well. So, um, like you said, I think 6 million, yeah, too pricey to start, but could be interesting down the line. Yeah. Well, Zaha, it's like, it's not too late for him as a player to, to still find his groove, but as it's, it's like a capitalist argument of with the FPL version of Zaha, where, so many other players have caught up to him where his price point is. And there's just so much more competition in Zaha's FPL quadrant where there, where there wasn't before. So that that's one thing that puts me off him. But so just last on palace, we look at their fixtures, the way they start home Southampton, then it's Manchester United in game week two, followed by Everton and Chelsea. The first four, not great. Uh, things start to clear up with Brighton and Fulham in game game weeks five and six. So I think Ferguson really is the name of the game. 
you're probably going to only want to start with a benchable defender on this Palace team come game week one. Yeah. I think the big drama right now with Crystal Palace is, does Eddie Howe take over in game week eight, game week 14, game week 20? I think it happens by January. Um, It just seems like such a logical fit to me. Um, Like, I don't know, like South Coast. uh, I mean, I know that London's not quite South Coast, but like, just, you know, I don't know. Like, it just feels like the southern uh, reaches of London, the, the southern reaches of, of London and southern England. Uh, and I don't know. I just feel like philosophically how feels like kind of a fit there. Hodgson is, you know, he's like a caretaker manager who's just sort of kept on trucking. But um, like you said, there's not a lot of excitement right now around Palace. And I, I think, um, you know, we'll see what happens with some of these signings. I mean, you, you know, I, you make an interesting case for Nathan Ferguson, by the way. He wasn't really on my radar until just now. So that's. That's something I'm definitely um, going to keep an eye on, but yeah, I, you, you could see a new manager just bringing a little bit of energy, um, yeah. and maybe maybe invigorating, maybe someone like Zaha. I mean, certainly we know that Eddie Howe knows how to uh, uh, get attacking returns out of players, maybe somebody you know, like so Frank could, DeBoer, uh, you know, just bringing uh, some some new energy. <laughs> sure, <laughs> we know, Dutch. we know yeah, how, sure, how, sure. how Palace uh, works with that. Anyway, uh, take us north, Josh. You've you've teased it long enough. Yeah. What's going on with it's Everton? The moment. We've all been waiting for this uh, all summer, really. And here comes Josh Landon's Everton preview. Um, okay, so <laughs> there's not a lot going on so far. Uh, as far as new player and transfer rumors are concerned, the player that's most strongly rumored is Allen, uh, a 29-year-old central midfielder who plays for Napoli. Wouldn't really be a fantasy prospect, although he would probably make the entire team better. Um, Ducore has also been rumored, which I think would be a great signing for them. Uh, I think if they could if they could get that one across the yeah, line. Fulham's Fulham got him. You think Fulham's going to get Decore? Well, I mean, I don't. It's wishful thinking on my part, but yeah, I think yeah. whoever gets Decore is lucky. I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm actually surprised that teams that are like like teams in Europe aren't uh, looking for Decore too. It feels like he could, like I, I don't know. I feel like you could put him in a big big team and he probably hold his own. Um, uh, Irving uh, Chucky Lozano has also been rumored, mm, uh, which I think would be really yeah, he'd be a fun signing for Everton if they could bring him in. I've always. You know, I just, you know, living in the United States, um, I've seen, you know, a fair amount of Mexican national team matches and he's yeah. just a fun player. You know, he'd be a fun, fun signing. So we'll see what happens there. Um, so not a lot in the rumor front. Uh, when it comes to returning players, see, so you have Richarlison, who's got, who's been moved to the forward position, which I think is probably fair. You and I were talking about that on our price prediction pod. We weren't really sure how we'd come in. And I, I, you know, he's enough of a forward that I think it's, I, I'm not going to complain about him getting slotted in there. Um, 13 goals and five assists, as we've already talked about many times, neither of our favorite player, mm-hmm. uh, but, um, but, you know, can do a job. I, I don't like that price point on 8 million because for 0.5 more, you could bring in a Danny Yings or a Rural Jimenez. And um, I just have a lot more confidence in those two players than I do. Or drop down a million and bring in Olivier Giroud, Brandon. How about that? I'm with you. I'm with you there. It's just it's just a tough beat for Richarlison. He's going to have to really exhibit some decent form to justify it for FPL managers. You have uh, DCL, uh, 13 goals, which is quite a lot, a little higher than I realized. Uh, but no goals since March 1st. Uh, went goalless uh, upon restart. He always looks good. Like he's a player. Like if, if you're just out there watching the match, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm not like I'm not the biggest XG person. I respect it. I just don't necessarily like track XG for matches. But I suspect it's probably pretty high because he's he's super involved. He's in the box a lot. But um, but you know, did not score. And um, if just this were I, an Optistat yeah. tweet, and I I kind of find it equal points enjoyable and annoying how Opta 
punctuates every tweet with a single word. But DC, sure. a DCL opted tweet would be punctuated by the word always with drought. <laughs> yeah. And he's just, it's possible that he just is what he is, which is that he is a, a like B minus forward, maybe, you know, maybe a straight B. Um, I think a B is fair. Yeah. B is fair. 13 goals, right? Uh, B is fair. Uh, but uh, just maybe not quite good not quite good enough for a really good team maybe not quite good enough as a fantasy asset and that seven million um maybe getting a little too high uh to consider um this the, i feel like this is one of those things that could come back to haunt me when dcl scores like 27 goals this season but <laughs> maybe right now i'm, maybe. I'm sticking I, I, to my guns i think i think your assessment is is spot on with what we know now so the player that i think is a little underrated um and his price is a little bit of a turnoff but Lucas Dean pretty much delivered on the lofty price that he got last season. I mean, he had eight assists, nine clean sheets, 16 bonus points, comes in at $6 million. The fixtures are pretty good for Everton to start the season. Uh, they play um, tough on away to Spurs in game week one. But then from there, West Brom, Palace, Brighton mm. in the next three matches. So mm. a very nice run from, from two through four. I don't really have a lot of enthusiasm for any of their midfield or forward line, but I think the defense is kind of interesting. And I think that Jordan Pickford, who had a very poor season, um, I don't know if it was like a World Cup hangover or what, but um, although now it's been, what, two years since the World Cup? So an extended hangover, but a two-year hangover from the World Cup. But he is... He has been overpriced the last couple of seasons, and this year he came in at a very reasonably priced $5 million. Uh-huh. And I wonder if Pickford and a four million keeper is actually a decent strategy. You're breaking my brain here, Josh, and not because I don't agree with you. It's just it wouldn't have occurred to me to consider Pickford. Yet here I am. Here you you've put me in this corner. <laughs> Listening. Yeah. Well, it's I mean, their fixtures are good. You you assume you're gonna play a wild card early-ish, right? So you could, you know, Spurs away for Pickford. That's not terrible. Uh, and then from there, you're looking at a really nice run through the first 10 game weeks, right? Let's, I mean, if I run through all 10 of the fixtures, right? Mm-hmm. If West Brom, West Brom, Palace, Brighton, and two through four, you have Liverpool at home game week five. Now, Liverpool is a tricky match, but that's that's a derby. And they they did, a, you know, they played to a generally pretty tight. Yep. Southampton away, Newcastle away, Man United. But again, that's at home. Uh, and then Fulham and Leeds in game weeks nine and ten. There's not a horrific defensive fixture in there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think it's kind of interesting. I, I, I just as I was doing the preview, I sort of was like, well, maybe this is something to consider. Um, you know, I think that you know all their all their defenders is not like a super cheap way in unless unless John Joe Kenny, um, unless he joins the 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 starting lineup. And he I, he played in he played in um in the Bundesliga last summer. And I think he played like. I mean, he was a starter last season, the Bundesliga. So if he sticks around, maybe he's someone to consider. I don't know. Um, but um, yeah, so maybe Pickford is, is was one option there. Or you go up to Dean at $6 million And um, yeah, no goals last season, which is a little bit of a surprise considering he's on free kicks. And, um, you know, usually, well, you know, he picked up four goals in set pieces um, in the season before that. So I, I think that zero goals is a bit of an aberration for him. I would expect him to yeah. do a little better this year. I think put a pin in Dean for our next episode when we talk about Wolves, because I think it's a, can you justify bringing in Dean over Matt Doherty if you're willing to spend right. that much 
on an attacking right. fullback. So that's the real question with Dean. That's interesting. Although, yeah, I, I still Ruben Vinagre is the player I'm really yeah, I, I saying I, that I, right? Who knows? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I, I think you're close. I think you're close. And I agree. <laughs> I think so then maybe you get yourself to a point where you disregard Darty and it's Vinagre plus Dean and you kind of get a taste of both. Maybe. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, it's something to think about anyway. Uh, just one final note on Everton. Um, their midfield might be the least interesting midfield in all of fantasy. Um, it's it's really grim. Uh, you have Sigurdsson, Bernard, who I thought would be kind of a fun signing, but has really been pretty mediocre. He was uh, too Theo. consumed by his hair plugs last season. Um, yeah, maybe so that's what it was. For all of these on, on hair, hair, hair piece watch. Um, Bernard, uh, Walcott, Davies stinks. Awobi can't, can't <laughs> shoot. Andre Gomez, more of a defensive player. Fabian Delph, like, no, it's just, it, it's, it's a grim midfield and they really do need to make some signings. And it's interesting that there aren't a ton of, I mean, I guess Ducore, if he signed, could be more of an attacking player. He did play as a number 10 at times for Watford last season, but I don't know. I mean, I feel like I don't know how Everton are going to score. Um, you know, it doesn't, I mean, like without that midfield, I know that you have double digit goal scorers in Richarlison and, and, and DCL, but I, I just don't know who's going to bring the ball to them. Mm-hmm. Guilty Sigurdsson has got to be what, like 34 now or something like that. I mean, he's, feels like he's been in the league forever. You, you flipped him. He's 43. Actually, he's not 34. He's 43. Um, but <laughs> it's something about those, um, Icelandic, uh, hot springs that make him look so beautiful. <laughs> I'm with He's actually you. only 30. Turns th- he turns 31 on September 8th. Uh, well, so. it, that, it yeah. do, that doesn't make it any better for Sigurdsson because he's he's playing like he's at the tail end of his career, and maybe he right. is. And that's just – I'm sure when Everton signed him, they thought, okay, he's he's going to get to his peak. Not He's not past it, but but here we are. And I yeah. agree. It's, it's really grim for their midfield. And to really get the potential of an 8.0 – Richarlison, they're going to need more signings without a doubt. But they have a class manager uh, in Ancelotti and they have a pretty good defense. And I think, I don't know. Um, so I think that the, the defense should not be totally disregarded. And I know that partially, I think, because there are so many interesting 4.5 million uh, defenders, like so many intriguing ones. Maybe we've looked a little bit past the 5 million options on Everton. So that's my little um, little shout out for the Everton defense. Let's move on to Fulham, Brandon. Ah, yes, Fulham promoted yet again to the Premier League. When when last we saw them in the Premier League, they were awful. So I think for a lot of FPL managers, this is going to be a leap of faith. And I'm not here to tell you everything's different. Like, it's all very unknown and probably not great looking at Fulham coming into this season. However, they have one of the best fixture runs. It's insane, like a a kind of poorly rated promoted club to have this great of a fixture run to start the season. Arsenal that we talked about, like Aubameyang, probably has his sight sets there. But after that, it's Leeds, Villa, Wolves, Sheffield United, Palace, West Brom, West Ham. So, I mean, I, I think... I think there is a huge case to be made for people to just jump in with with a cheeky 4.5 Fulham asset just to see what happens with this club to start the season. So, of course, they they had a really good season in the championship. 
Um, but they still somehow managed to make it really difficult for themselves to gain promotion through the playoff final. And like they are known for being uh, just like a fluid team, a possession-based team. And you would think, so it's like they're, they're a team of contradictions. They're known for being a possession-based team, but they actually don't attack very well, and they're not very fast. However, they're not faster attacking. However, Mitrovic was the golden boot winner last season in the championship, scored an incredible 26 goals. So what does that tell us? It kind of kind of nothing. Like they they will struggle to either take the team that promoted them last season and do an Aston Villa sort of a thing, or they will try to sign a bunch of new players and that's but that's what killed them coming into the 2018 season trying to bed in a bunch of new players the great hope here is their defense is quite a lot more solid than it was in 2018 so you've got um michael hector in the central defense i've sung his praises to you before josh Mm -hmm. um and i love this like michael hector and he he has a similar stature to virgil van dyke so Fulham fans actually refer to him as Virgil van Mike. Uh, and and it's it's kind of a lofty comparison, but he does play a similar game and that it's very much a he likes to step up to make the interception or the tackle to break up the play before it starts. And he's also really good at playing that um, on the floor, passing out of the back match. So the appeal for Hector is that bps is his friend so if you go in for hector at 4.5 fulham actually are able to keep some clean sheets it's a big if but he Mm -hmm. would at that point i believe clean up on the bonus points i think the better route though to the fulham defense would be their goalkeeper rodak 4.5 and this is purely now we're talking yeah this is not based on clean sheets at all this is going to be based purely on this is like the Ben Foster approach. It's like, OK, mm-hmm. instead of a six point uh, winning goalkeeper, I'm going to go for the three to four point uh, winning FPL goalkeeper. He averaged two point nine saves per game in 33 appearances last season for Fulham. So you're basically guaranteed a point. Uh, in saves from Prodec every match. So you got that yeah. going for you, which is interesting. Sure. So, you know, I don't want to make too strong of a case for him, but if I were to zero in on one FPL asset, I weirdly might be their goalkeeper in Rodak. Mitrovic, that's what all the conversation will be about. He was the golden boot winner. Um, and, and I think most people who are looking into Mitrovic, like now that he's back in the league, they're like, oh man, how old is this guy at this point? I think it was Marcus Speller, on the football ramble was talking about how you you would imagine that this dude is like 30 years old at this point for how much <laughs> right. you've seen of him or just kind of his, his general visage but he's just 25 years old so he's not even really at the peak of his powers just yet and um what's interesting about Mitrovic coming into this season is winning the golden boot in the championship he actually met, slightly exceeded his XG. So throughout the season for Fulham last season, his XG said he ought to have scored 25 and a half goals. How many goals did he score, Josh? 26. 26. You love to see it. (laughs) So um, this dude is just incredibly consistent. Give him the opportunity. Give him the big chance. And there is a strong likelihood that he'll convert it. 
the bigger concern with Metro is less is price tag, and it's more like where where are uh, these? Now cheap- we're in the now we're in the Brandon Kelly spin zone. You're <laughs> uh-huh. gonna find any way to spin us away from Metro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let me tell you how it really is. Um, I mean, the the big concern is will where will these chances come from? So he's able sure. to scrape these chances together in the second division, but it's you know uh, it will be a different game in the Premier League. So. I think for Metro, you just have to look at the signings that Scott Parker is going to make between now and September 12th. Decore right. also been linked to Fulham. I, mean, I, I don't know. I think Everton is probably a better move for Decore. I think he would like probably go to like a, whoever pays him like the a most money. Fit. Yeah. yeah, it does seem like a better fit, though. Yeah, I mean, the Metro thing, I mean, I just, I don't know, Brandon. I mean, I, I'm really seriously considering going with, three up front. I'm sort of, I'm, I'm like pivoting back a little bit um, in my feelings about some of the forwards and just how much value there might be in that, in that eight to 10 million price range. But I think part of what makes it work and you could just go with two forwards, obviously, but part of what makes it maybe work is that Mitro at 6 million, I think is, I mean, I just, I just look back to Pookie last season. I mean, there's a, there, you know, there are a lot of times when these, the golden boot winner in the championship comes up, they sort of start off on fire, you know, and there's a lot of, um, and I don't know. I just wonder if we could see that again with with Mitra, where he sort of um, I don't I don't know that I see him as a season keeper type player, but maybe um, given the early good fixtures for Fulham, given his price tag, um, I think he's really worth considering. Yeah, I, uh, I I I I don't fully disagree. And and the rumored signing of Ryan Fraser from Bournemouth would actually oh. make me a lot more bullish because as I was yeah, saying, awesome. like Fulham need pace, and you got Joe Bryan on the left who. Uh, another FPL price headshot 5.0. No, thank you. Um, he's just, he scored that Too brace much. in the playoff final, but apart from that, he scored one other goal in the entire season. So it, that playoff final did flatter to deceive. Um, but him overlapping with Ryan Frazier and Frazier using his, his, his pace maybe to, to unlock Mitrovic would be interesting. Uh, what else can I say? I mean, there's just, there's just a gallery of kind of really mediocre talent in the midfield right now for Fulham and nobody that is really worth considering. You'd recognize Knockhart, Josh Anima finished the season well because he needed, Scott Parker needed him to play 5.0 for Anima is an interesting price point. I don't think he's going to start every match but when he does mm-hmm. play he can play right alongside Mitrovic so at 5.0 interesting attacking Keep potential for yeah. for a for a cheeky bench player so yeah I, I I think it's the fixtures have put us in an interesting position with Fulham where nobody's going to be bullish on this squad but the fixtures are so good that yeah considering Metro considering a defender it does have its place going into game week one, whether you like it or not. Well, I'll tell you right now that I will not be starting the season with a Fulham defender. That is uh, that I'm officially in uh, prove it to me mode uh, with that defense. But um, the Hector thing is kind of interesting. You, you, you've certainly turned my head with, uh, with all your Hector talk over the summer. And uh, so maybe Virgil van Mike will make his way into my team at some point. All right, Brandon, we got two teams left here and thank you for that. That, that is a very, Thorough preview of Fulham, Brandon. I think that was one of the more thorough, like, like, I mean, you're an actual Fulham fan. So I, I, I'm glad, I'm glad we drilled down on that team a little bit. Cause I think, um, he's good. Jerry may not have, and he's thorough. So we move from one, uh, from one promoted team to another. Uh, this is Leeds United. 
personally kind of excited to have Leeds in the league just because they're a big club with a lot of fans, um, or, you know, historically a very big club. Uh, they've won uh, plenty of Premier League titles, um, at least, well, I don't know. They've won a few anyway. Um, have not been in the league in, I think, like almost 20 years now. Uh, so hired Marcel Bielsa two years ago, um, almost got promoted last season, uh, did get promoted this season. And I think what's interesting about them is, you know, there's a lot of interest in them, but this is not a um, this is not a Wolves situation where they're just loaded with talented players or, you know, talented, you know, Portuguese players like, like wolves often are. This is, this is just kind of a, I mean, if you go to the transfer market play uh, page for leads, there is no one in that transfer market page that's blowing you away. There's no, you know, 35 million, 20 year old Ruben Neves, you know, who's, who they're like, you know, hoping to keep. I mean, the biggest player is Ben White, who is a Brighton player who they're hoping to resign this, this center back. Um, you know, maybe a little more likely to resign now that Dunk's resigned with Brighton. I don't know. We'll see. Um, they're also like, like many other people looking at Brentford's Ollie Watkins, who had, uh, 26 goals and 50 appearances last season. God, Brentford, man, I got, I guess I should have watched more of them, Brandon. Uh, they had all these massive goal scorers, uh, in their team. Uh, all I saw was them in the playoffs and I wasn't like blown away by them. Um, the, uh, key returning players, you've got, uh, Pablo Hernandez, really interesting player. Um, 35 years old, uh, but a, a key player for the team, nine goals and nine assists and 36 appearances last season. You know, 35, though, is um, gives you pause. You know, it, it does. Um, it's <laughs> it's it, like buying know, a mean, car. Yeah, it's just it's a little it's getting a little up miles? there, you know. Yeah. And so, you know, I, is he a, um, you know, in, in NFL parlance, is he like an every down running back still or not? You know, like, I mean, I, are we going to get he came in, he comes in at six million. So it's a reasonable price. But I think it's it's, you know, I, I just it's a little, it's a little high. It's a little bit like Billy Sharp, you know, where, where mm-hmm. Southampton mm-hmm. rode Billy Sharp to the, to the premier league and he had a ton of goals. And then he just wasn't quite, you know, up to playing every single match. You know, I think Billy Sharp is around the same age as Pablo Hernandez. So I don't know, you know, I mean, I, I you know, that's I, ages. It's just never branded as we all know, as uh, as you see on t-shirts, but, uh, but I, I don't know, we'll, we'll see what, what, we'll see what happens with Pablo Hernandez. Certainly an interesting player to watch though. Uh, Patrick Bamford, um, you know, a name that we've all known for a long time, just cause he, you know, was a, was a, he was part of the Chelsea youth system and then was loaned all over the place for a long time. Never quite lived yeah. up to his promise. I'm also a huge Maria Bamford fan, a stand-up comedian. You're, you're big Maria. Yeah. His sister, a great comedian. Uh, so 16 goals, four assists, 45 appearances last season comes into a very reasonable 5.5 million. Uh, and he's most likely on pens going into the season as well. Um, I did want to give a quick shout out, by the way, Brandon, just well, before we go any further on this, because, uh, I, I was, I was trying to like bone up on my, uh, on my Leeds United knowledge and uh, Ben Wilson, a friend of the pod, uh, gave me a very nice breakdown. So shout out to you, Ben Wilson. Thank you for, for the knowledge. Well done, Ben. Um, yeah, well done, Ben. So Patrick Bamford, yeah, likely in pens. Uh, you have Jack Harrison, Brandon, who you and I mm-hmm. have been following for a long time because he was yeah. part of the NYFC system a few years ago. Yeah, I was saying we, we were like Bielsa with the binoculars spying through the bushes on Jack Harrison there <laughs> at Yankee Stadium. And yep. it was an in- interesting to see him at NYCFC because at that point he was um, he was kind of a dropout of the, was it the Manchester United Academy? And it just wasn't going to happen for him. So he had to make this huge yeah. decision was he loaned yeah I, was he loaned yeah i don't sure. recall and then and then the city farm sort of bought him um i can't remember anyway 
uh, interesting player. And like, it was like in the blink of an eye, here is a guy who occasionally plays for an MLS team to being a linchpin for a championship promotion. So it's, it's been a huge leap in talent for him. And, you know, the way that they're going to line up, it looks like, and you know, unless they make some big signing, he's probably going to have that left, um, that left wing spot locked up 5.5 million. Um, I think he's worth keeping an eye on six goals and eight assists last season and 46 appearances. So, I mean, 46 appearances too is a good sign too, because that just would indicate that he is a fairly trusted player and someone who's pretty, uh, locked into that squad. And, you know, at 5.5 million, that's, that's, you know, I was talking earlier about the, the kind of price range. I'm really trying to find just kind of like a long list of players that I may consider in that 5.5, 5 million, maybe up to 6 million range, um, you know, this season, because I just think it, it's really going to be valuable to have those players um, sort of just in your like kind of knowledge base, because you're often going to need to free up money and um, you know, you're going to need um, just with, with, with so many expensive midfielders, you're really going to need a couple cheap, a couple cheap midfielders yeah. just to fill out the rest of your team. So uh, he's one to consider. And then um, the defense you have, um, you know, you have white if he, if he rejoins um, and then you have Luke Eileen and Stuart Dallas, um, the, the fullbacks uh, Stuart Dallas. Well, you know, both of them actually have played different positions. Um, so talk that Eileen may, um, be center back at the start of the season. Uh, Stuart Dallas is left left back, but he's played all over the place. Um, Stuart both, Dallas, what an American name that is! It is a very American. It sounds like a uh, God, yeah. It sounds like a wide receiver or something, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, or like a power <laughs> forward for an NBA team. Yeah, I, I read an article today that uh, FPL Chef put out uh, comparing Eileen and Dallas, and you know, kind of sounds like they're both they're both there's not a lot to separate them um, in terms of your pick. And it may just depend on um, who's the more locked in starter. Um, both of them had uh, tons of appearances last season. Um, Dallas did have 45 appearances to 37 for Eileen with that, but I think Eileen had an injury. So that, that probably um, that knocked him down a little bit. So, you know, I, I don't have a strong recommendation between those two. Um, I wouldn't pretend that I do, uh, but those are, those are two, two uh, fullbacks mm-hmm. to keep an eye on. Uh, and then you have Batez Klitsch. Uh, am I pronouncing that correctly? Probably not. Just don't ask me. Uh, he has played every match but one in two seasons under Marcel Bielsa. So uh, talk about a locked-in player. He scored seven goals and had five assists last season, and he's available for $5.5 million. So he is another player kind of in that uh, Jack Harrison role where you're like, well, maybe maybe I consider him, you know? And yeah. I, I worry that he might be a little more like in that Oliver Norwood role where he's just a little too far back. I, in general, I, I prefer a winger over a, over a central midfielder. Um, but, uh, you know, at least another player to consider. And if you're looking for um, a consistent starter, then then maybe uh, Klitsch is, is, is a player to consider. Uh, fixture outlook, not great to start the season. I think Leeds uh, maybe one of those, a, a classic first wildcard team mm-hmm. where you just sort of take the first few game weeks, see what they look like, see who might be worth owning, and then you bring them in in your first wildcard because they play Liverpool away. Um, they do play Fulham at home in game week two, but then it's Sheffield United away, which I, I, you know, I don't love that match for them. And then they play Man City and then Wolves after that. So it's not really until you get to game week six where things open up a little bit for them. And then they have a little nice, a nice little run of about five fixtures in a row. So, you know, I think game week six is when we're all going to start to really, if we don't wild card early on, we're all going to start to like get the wild card jitters a little bit. So, <laughs> so a, a classic wait and see club, uh, you know, 
you know, it's not like Fulham where we just have like a ton of knowledge built up. I think that I think that it's exciting. Leeds is an exciting team to me because I just don't really know what we're getting with them at all. Um, and it's going to be fun, especially under a manager as good as Bielsa. You know, what do they look like? What what happens to them? It's it's hard to imagine them being the kind of team that just has three points after ten game weeks. I think they're going to you know they're going to find a way to yeah. to win these matches because that's what Bielsa did in the championship the last two seasons as well. Yeah, God, I can't wait to watch. I mean, what a dream start, too, for a Leeds fan to finally be back in the Premier League in your first <laughs> matches yeah. um, at Anfield. By the way, guaranteed that that's the Friday night match, that Liverpool, um, to, to kick off the season. Do you, uh, they, they, do they you announced... think they're going to do it? Has it been announced they're going to do a Friday match for sure? No, they haven't announced it yet, but every match right now is listed at... There, there's, there are two on Monday. One is Wolves and the other is Chelsea. Uh, because they get, they're getting a couple extra days because of their Champions League and Europa League commitments. Uh, but um, the other ones are all just listed at Saturday at, you know, 10 o'clock our time, 3 o'clock UK time. Uh, and so I'm almost certain that they will spread those out over Saturday, Sunday, yeah. and Friday. And 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 uh, Liverpool did play um, uh, Norwich at home on Friday night. And it kind of makes sense to have the 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 champion you know kick off the season mm-hmm. um i think that does make some sense at night at anfield that seems like a cool way to kick off the season so um just my guess but i think it works out that way they will literally kick it off josh and let's kick off this podcast i don't think that was the perfect segue but our last team <laughs> is leicester city and this is like severe cognitive dissonance for me. I'm looking at Leicester like, all right, this team like had quite a run last season. They ended up falling out of the top four, finishing fifth. They seem to have lots of great players. But as I'm like writing up this preview, I'm just like, Jesus, what a dour Premier League team this is. And I don't really know what <laughs> what to say about them. So if yeah. you if you think about last season, Brendan Rodgers, like, he frankly just blew it right so there was a point in which Leicester were third they were beating out Arsenal Chelsea Manchester United and Spurs all teams now that I think you'd peg maybe Spurs is very debatable there but you'd peg them all to surpass Leicester this season so like what is what is the goal of Leicester going into the season and dear reader I posit that it's probably somewhere in the vicinity of sixth to eighth position on the table so I'm not I'm I'm really not expecting great things for Leicester. I uh, especially compared to last season. If you look at the fixtures coming up, a really actually a, a good start with the West Brom fixture in game week one, followed by Burnley, City in game week three. More goodness with West Ham and Aston Villa. So it's not it's it's not a terrible start, all things considered. But the assets that you're gonna want, Jamie Vardy notably. Are you going to spend $10 million on him just going into game week one, knowing that mm. a tough defense in Burnley is coming up, followed by Manchester City? Um, it, it, you it, got the it, scenario, yeah, the scenario like, where like I might the, have... The strategy you were positing at the start of this podcast, Josh, was if you really attack game week one, that's where Vardy maybe comes into play. I mean, you could do Vardy in game week one for that West Brom match and then move him to Anthony Martial uh, in game week two. I think that would be um, the Man United play uh, Palace at home in game week two. So that that might be a scenario where I would do it. But yeah, I mean, the midfield spots, I'm sort of, they're all in that weird, tricky 7 million range where it's kind of hard to, I don't know. It's like, it's hard to fit them in at that price. 
Yeah, Barnes got kicked up to seven million. Six goals and ten assists. You kind of you you feel like he had a better season than that. Actually, six goals and ten assists. So seven feels a little too high on him. Perez at six point five, sort of like blah. Madison, we saw so little of him because of injury yeah, at the end say? of the season. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we've talked about his identity crisis throughout last season, and he he just has so much to overcome mentally and with his game to really become the player that. He really ought to. Like, the talent is there. Mm-hmm. Here yeah. is the other concern for Lester. Like, Soyuncu was um, a great FPL asset for us last season, but he was great within that unit. So Chilwell mm-hmm. is almost, as of this recording, it's still not a done deal, but it seems almost done that he's going to Chelsea. Chilwell is gone. So you've just got, uh, and Pereira is injured. Johnny Evans is suspended until game week three or four because of his red card at the end of the last season. So it's like the Leicester defense is a total stay away. So Justin at 4.5 million um, until Pereira comes back is maybe, maybe an option. I don't know. Worth considering. He didn't like blow me away in the summer, but you know, might be an option. Yeah. Strikes you as a player who's talented, but just he, he's just not up to speed with the league just yet. Uh, I, I don't know if a little, uh, little warm weather training can solve that problem for him. So yeah, I, I'm just not feeling great about Lester right now as we start the season. And I, I, I think they've got a lot of work ahead of them. Yeah. And God, they really do need a center back. Don't they? Um, they need, they really need to bring in. Did you um, see this, this rumor that PSG was in for Sionchu? No, I don't know who benefits from this rumor and it would be insane to me if Lester were to actually sell him because what else do they have? Uh, yeah. But um, just interesting stuff going on there. And our much beloved uh, attacking midfielder for, for Bournemouth, David Brooks, the youngest looking 23 year old in the business <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, rumored to maybe be signing for Leicester. So there, there may be some attacking upside coming in um, at a cheaper price for Leicester. All right. Well, another, another an interesting team because the fixtures are, are actually quite good to start the season, but um, yeah, I feel like we need to maybe wait a week or two and see what happens on the transfer front. I, I do think that they need, um, that defense in particular needs to get a little, uh, needs a little more steel, right? I mean, you can, you cannot go into that season with, um, with, um, oh my goodness, I forgot his name Wes Morgan as, as your other center back. Can you, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it can't keep happening. You've got Justin Morgan, Sayanchu and, uh, s- s- Christian Fuchs. I don't even know who is, uh, who is fit for them right now. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be super ropey back there. All right, Brandon, that is 10 teams in two hours. Uh, we're going to be back in a couple of days with the other 10 teams. I'm going to go into a hyperbaric chamber to, um, to rejuice and re-energize. Okay, I'm going to spin next, my blood uh, while you're doing that. So <laughs> fly over to Germany, do some custom blood spinning. Yeah. Um, so thank you for listening. If you have gotten this far, you are a true fan of the Always Dream Podcast. If you're a true fan of the Always Dream Podcast, you may want to support us on Patreon. Uh, if so, you can go to patreon.com slash always cheating to do so. Go back to the original pitch at the start of this podcast for why we would <laughs> love for you to do so. Yeah. Um, Hit the back 30 quick... seconds button about 500 times and you'll get back to uh, that. Get that, you that, close yeah. anyway. Yeah. I'll do the uh, Patreon thank yous, Brandon. Uh, thank you to Trevor Ingerson, Mike DePietro. These are our producer thank yous, by the way. Uh, thank you to Trevor Ingerson, Mike DePietro, Chris Howell, Andy Penn, Martin Savage, Brian T., the Big Gaffer, 
Babas Kuhn, Jeff Husby. Jeff, I got your message. I think we will set up a head-to-head uh, for our producer patrons, so I'll get back to you on that. Ben Grant, James Holland, Jazz Binning, Dave Wagner-Lodal, Nick Wright, Jim Payne, Brian Chin, Blair Jacobson, Frederick Kean-Gransky, Travis West, Alan Creasy, Victor Forberg-Skoging, Paul Hertzing, Kaya Kirstein Leleng, Peter Bodictel, Andy Portlock, Toothless Gavin, Lindsay Rostow, Anton Markoff, FPL Merch, James Conroy, Brandon B., Paul Scanlon, Kieran Screeton, James Hurd, Francis Mann, Chris Carter, and our three newest producers, Blue Nose Stew, Matt Marks, and Michael Yuong. Thank you, gentlemen. My God, what much. a great group. Ladies and gentlemen, what a great group of people. Oh, just the last three. Yes, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, and, uh, of course, rate and review and subscribe to Always Cheating on all the platforms where you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, etc. We're all over social media, wherever you get fine social media. And if you just want to chat, send us an email, hailcheaters at gmail.com and our website, alwayscheating.com. I I think that's where we leave it, Josh, with a little poku forever. I love it. And uh, yeah, hail Lord Sorloff, Brennan, wherever you may roam. Godspeed. All right, gang, before we get out of here, just one last word. Did somebody say playoffs? NBA and NHL are playing for the gold, and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into fall, and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of sports, and remember... The casino never closes. Check it out all day, all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.